0: Revely, revely, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell.
1: This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 13th of March, 2023. You ain't got no job. You ain't got us to do. So you might as well just be here with us. Hi, everyone. Two idiots here to help you today. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C. Joined by my friend from the great, well, I won't say great white north, but something kind of close to it. A place that land land that time forgot.
0: There are a lot of white people in Connecticut, Luke. (laughs) There's a lot of
1: snow, snow too. There's a lot of snow. It's uh, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell.
0: Luke Thomas, I'm back. Let's do this thing. Tech problems, Luke almost almost sunk my battleship today but you know uh unlike uh unlike jack at the end of titanic spoiler alert luke i was not only not cold but i was able to uh survive so i'm very excited about that
1: yes i did try to leave you in the icy water but um it didn't work this time yeah not my fault we almost didn't have a show today about 45 minutes ago i got a phone call being like well there's no show today and i was like well that's terrible but we actually yeah. figured it out. Do so you welcome. know I
0: fixed it? Here's here's the here's the the here's the recommendation for anybody out there. Just restart your laptop. It fixes everything, dude. Right? It's like a. It's you know. It's like go back to the drawing board. Sometimes in your life you got to do that too, Luke. Okay. But uh, happy to be here with with our peeps, all all these people who subscribe to us because you know at the end of the day, Luke, they know deep in their hearts that they're washed pieces of shits. And they think we're just cooler versions of that. So it, look, if this is the family we've built, Luke, you know, I'm, I'm here for it, brother, all right?
1: Yeah, same, same. So we have a fun show planned for you today. Obviously, we have a lot from the weekend to get over or get to, I should say. There was Bellator on Friday. There was UFC on Saturday. There was also Tim Zhu beating kind of the brakes off Tony Harrison uh, on Saturday as well. We'll get to all three of those. So thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, do leave us a nice review. want to remind everyone, showtime.com is the label that pays showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can pound sand of course if you had showtime over the weekend you got to see both bellator and tim zoo although bc we just saw the ads for uh, plant benavidez that one will be on showtime pay-per-view because that one can't wait for it electric in the showtime schedule let
0: let me say this episode one of all access benavidez i still haven't seen
1: it yet i still haven't seen it yet.
0: It debuted Friday on Showtime. You can catch it now for free on YouTube on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel. And all I have to say is, like, if you don't know a lot about this fight or whatever, like, plug, plug yourself in and watch that. I Look, I was so fired up watching that last night that I was, like, involuntarily boxing around the room. Like... I'm not going to give you any spoilers. There's no major spoilers, but it's a great, it's a great program, but dude, every single time Benavides talks about plant, he's got like the, the scary eyes going like mm-hmm. every single time, dude And Plant's just like trying to play him like a pup. It's, it's a wild dynamic. And, and it's going to be interesting to debate as we get closer to March 25th, you know how that changes things. Cause plants not afraid of this guy at all. And this guy is the damn boogeyman. So, you know, who, I don't know who's going to win this, Luke, except for you and I on the ground in Vegas. We're going to be big winners,
1: all right? Yeah. I got to say, I, I actually watched a Fight Hub interview with David Benavides, and we've spoken to him, too. We actually interviewed him right after he missed weight during the pandemic. Do you remember that? We were actually yes. hosting the weigh-ins for that, and he missed, the, he missed weight. Uh, when you actually talk to him about things other than Caleb Plant, he seems <laughs> – relatively mild mannered you bring yeah. up caleb plant bro and it's a it's over it's a completely different ballgame so he's like no i'll that.
0: actually kill that man you know like I'm like, okay okay right. bro we're just yeah okay okay
1: yeah, yeah take it easy uh so that's that i want to remind everyone about that as well uh let's see we have merch bc we have merch on the uh the store you can go to morningcombat.store what can they find at the wonderful old merch store bc yeah,
0: they can find fantastic mix of uh hats t-shirts sweatshirts we're talking about bomber jackets look I, i'm These bomber jackets are about as handsome as Luke and I can be, okay? So when we put those on, it matters. Why don't you jump on board? There may be some scant, discounted leftovers from our MK and UK excursion on there, but uh, fantastic quality morningcombat.store. RJ is there working behind the counter. Tell him uh, BC and LT sent you. I'm sure you'll get nothing from it at all. I haven't even heard from RJ in weeks, Luke, okay? But he does a great job, just the same.
1: Yeah, well, when your last name's Dunkle Gangbang, I mean, you know... (laughs) they tell you what they're
0: up to. Oh, here for you. It's morning coffee.
1: I'll get back to you. I'll get back to when we can. Uh, BC, that's it for our ads. Now we have to do a recap of OK Bet. And I do this with great, I won't oh, say yes. trepidation. I won't say great trepidation, but, well, time to pay the piper, I guess. All right, so you guys know how it goes. Every Friday, we pick... The main event winner from the same card, like who we think is going to win the biggest fight, the biggest card of the of the weekend. Obviously, we were going to do Usman Nurmagomedov, but he was like a gazillion whatever favorite. So we went to the UFC card. We did that, and then we have to pick which fight's going to end in a KO or a sub. Which one will go the distance? Which one won't? Right? And then we have to pick our favorite, and then one of our upsets. So that's how we went down the list. BC, here's the thing. <laughs> you did better than me, which is yeah. not saying much. Hold on, let me get this out. You still did basically as well as you normally do, which is to say not well. <laughs> the, the, the difference is I did cataclysmically bad. I mean, the, literally, literally the worst you could fucking do. Oh, and five for yeah. your boy. All right. So let's go through this here very quickly. Before they we they call to it top the top golden
0: five. sombrero in baseball, Luke, or something like that. Right Yeah.
1: now. Here's the thing. Your record still sucks, but you had a much better weekend than I did. So let's go through it. We both started off quite badly in terms of top-down picks. We thought in the main event, both Jan was going to win. That didn't happen. That's an O for us there. In our favorites, I picked Saeed Nurmagomedov, which, by the way, BC, Jan, I wasn't too, too sure about. I felt pretty good about the Nurmagomedov pick. That one blew up in my face. You picked Julius Angliskis. He also lost in that one, which also I found very surprising as well to Dovlet Yagshimuradov. Muradov. So uh over wow, well there.
0: Done. All right. Well done, Grasso. <laughs> I like uh, that. I like the commitment there, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, on the underdog, I whiffed here. Gochi Yamaguchi. Nope, that fight went about 5 right. fucking seconds. He'll you never walk Vol- again.
0: Great job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he
1: also might never walk again. Uh you picked Alexander Volkov, winner winner chicken dinner. That was one of them. That was your underdog pick. Well done. In the over under, I picked Musayev Shab- Shabli to go the distance, which it, it was getting there. It was getting there. But, of course, it ended in the third round. You picked uh, Vassell uh, Moldovsky to go over. That's a big fat L. That did not happen. Uh, I had picked for my KO or subbed, it says Barzola Perez. No, no, I had – well, that's not right, but I didn't have it either. I had uh, Krylov going up against – a yeah, you
0: freestyle look to be fair you freestyled during the show you gave mikey different picks and it wouldn't then, matter you know, you were... it, it, it wouldn't matter either one was wrong
1: but i had said that i was going to end in a ko ended in a sub so it wouldn't have qualified anyway but you, you did go. get you did get zoo versus harrison ending in a ko correct so that brings your total to 13 and 21 still you know you're still the Baltimore well, Orioles of this bitch. I want to put that. I do out. have
0: alligator blood, Luke. Check, <laughs> check, check. Okay, I'm not going away. Little by little, I'm coming back. All right, little
1: by little, and then I turned in a whopping. Oh, I mean, you, why would you listen to my advice? It's the worst fucking advice on earth. Well, but it brings here's me to. In, I'm still. Hey, head is still above water. I'm 18 and 16.
0: What we learned is that neither of us are actually good at this. But <laughs> yeah. the whole thing is who is worse. That's what we're trying to figure out. I that just came back way to put it. I gained back two picks this week, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend as UFC returns to London with a pretty damn big pay-per-view. Uh, what else is going on this weekend in, in combat? I, I well, kind of forgot just, to check this schedule. Let's
1: just remind folks, the pregame preview with Chuck Mendenhall yes. for UFC 286. It came out yesterday. It's out now. YouTube.com slash morning combat. That is out. Go have a gander. Take a look. We uh, always have fun sitting down with the Iceman, Sir Charles himself, and well, uh, we get you ready for the big full- card.
0: Full disclosure, we filmed that directly after we filmed the UFC, uh, John Jones pregame preview. So we were a little extra saucy. So if you come to MK and pregame preview to hear like educated breakdowns from Luke and Chuck about who will win, this could not going to be your episode. Okay. There's going to be a lot of BC humor in it. And that's just, look, you want to, you want to feed me tiger thick whiskey. That's what happens, Luke
1: yeah fair enough. you guys were boozing. It was unbelievable. so uh there you have it. That's up there for everyone t- uh, to take a look at and uh, don't bet on anything I say otherwise you're an idiot. How about that all right? Very good. Uh, BC you
0: ready to get this party started um yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about put like not mailing it in at all and absolutely bringing it today Ian
1: I'm I'm always in for that. Yeah. Uh, all, right, all right, let's start with <laughs> let's start with topic number one if we can, and we're just basically gonna go in chronological order on the weekend here. So we start with Usman Nurmagomedov, BC. Now we knew on Friday, according to the odds makers, they had expected him to be the world's biggest favorite. He was gonna be, uh, you know, I think it was my over minus two thousand favorite, some astronomical twenty to one favorite to win. And we both thought that was a little silly, but that we, you know, yes, the, the win is not so much in doubt, but maybe we're sleeping on Benson Henderson a little bit. Yeah, no, no, not at all. He ran over him. Question mark kick, dropped him, took his back, held it for a couple of minutes until he was able to ultimately
0: secure the choke. BC, the question for you, is Usman Nurmagomedov a top five lightweight? I think he's getting there, if not already. I mean, you know, if you're really asking me to answer that. The evidence says yes up to this point. The name, the lineage, the well-rounded ability. Look, it's such a it's a problem when you come in being that big of a favorite. That that's he was more of a favorite, Luke, than Valentina Shevchenko was for the Nico Montaño flyweight title fight that never ended up happening, which was like the widest odds I've ever seen for a title competitive fight. I don't think these odds represented the true chances that Benson had like you said, But when you have that much pressure against you to win and win dominantly, and then you break out a freaking question mark kick and drop one of the most durable guys in this division's history and then take your time setting him up and getting him out of there. Um, I mean, you know, Big John thought Benson was fine in that choke, Luke. Uh, I don't don't know as much as he does, but I didn't think he was that fine. And then he tapped. (laughs) I mean, dude, what are you going to say about Usman? Like, I actually liked this matchmaking because Benson Anderson was on a nice little stretch. They're back in San Jose here. Like, you know, Scott Coker's MMA lineage and royalty and history there. Kung Lee Cage. So, like, I like this setup to open the tournament. And yet Usman came in and, and kind of showed that, yeah, he might be even better than we think he is right now at 24. Still only a handful of fights at this very elite level. I mean, what else can you say? Had he won a, a wide decision, we would have been like, okay, that's nice, you know, but what about this? Oh, he gave you this. I mean, what, dude, that kick is insane. That way he curved that in. I mean, I get that. I get I get. that's the point of a question mark kick. Right. But to do that early in a fight, not when somebody's staggering or tired, early in a fight to hit that. Dude, this guy's sick. And, of course, he has the last name that tells you he can wrestle if he needs to. But unlike the rest of the Abdulmanab tree of fighters, Luke, he may be, I mean, I know pe- some people say Umar is even better than all of them, better than Islam, better than Habib, We're, we still got to let that play out, but damn dude, Usman Nurmagomedov is nasty, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you, the, the, the big test when someone's rising like this is, like you said, let, let, let's line up the five best in the world at this weight class, what are his chances in each one, they might differ but his chances are pretty damn good, Luke, because he looks to be the absolute real deal.
1: Yeah, two things about that victory I really just want to point out. To, to what you said, the question mark kick, he slipped on it, but the setup was brilliant. He went to the body a couple of different times. Henderson thought he was going to get another one, and he whips it around just so nimbly. Stunning a guy, as you mentioned, who was like legendary for his durability. And, you know, yes, Big John got the call. <laughs> Wasn't the best call, but up to that point, they were right. That, you know, what has Benson Henderson showed? Great durability. That's true. I mean, in the Koreshkov fight alone, you saw that that was up at 170 and also great scrambling. You know, he's been very hard to put away, right? I mean, it's happened a little bit more recently. Obviously, Michael Chandler did it on his exit in Bellator, but you know, this is a guy who's very hard to kind of do those things too. But if there's a commonality between this and the Pettis win, what did you notice? He gets hurt first, then submitted. It's hard to just submit and take the like from a positional Standpoint, it's hard to, to 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 finish off benson Henderson. You got to put a couple of different things together, and Usman Rigmaidov did that. Um, I asked you if he was top five. I'm going to read you the top six now. If you got, if you think Usman can beat one of these guys, to me that's kind of you're on the bubble. The question is, can he beat two of them? So you have Islam Makachev. Now you know they're never fight each other, so it's hard to say, and they're in different organizations, obviously, as all these guys are and their teammates. So maybe he can't beat Islam. But there's Charles Oliveira. That's a maybe for me. Dustin Poirier. That's a maybe for me. Gagey, that's a yes for me. Benil Dariush, that's a maybe for me. And Michael Chandler, that's a yes for me. That's six yeah. names, but they kind of shuffle all in that space. Yeah, he might be top five. He might be top five just by looking well, at look, that.
0: If he keeps going, and this tournament's got, got some very strong names in it, and I mean, gives Scott Coker and company a lot of credit, but if it ends up being him against AJ McKee in the final, that that'll truly show us just where he ranks in the world, you know, in terms of like, okay, you be the guy that we consider to be pound for pound, you know, regardless of weight, one of the best on the planet. And that's AJ McKee moving up in weight class and establishing himself here at lightweight. That'll tell us more. But from what we know now, I think the way you laid it out, maybe might be, I mean, the thing is like you just haven't seen him yet in full compromise mode, you know, to get knocked down, be be down in a fight and have to battle back. But some guys, Luke, never get to that point because of how dynamic they are. So it's it's a lot of fun watching this guy. So heady, so poised for 24. It seems to have a little bit of everything from all the influences in his life, from Habib to Islam in his corner, the late Abdul Manap and the extended family there. Very special. Pro- I mean, look, is it – talk Bellator pound for pound right now. I know you're not a voter in the Bellator rankings like myself and Shaquille Majuri are, but where do you think you would put Usman pound for pound under the Bellator banner?
1: It's a little harder to say. I've never made a Bellator pound for pound list. Well, I mean, we're talking about AJ
0: McKee, Patricio Pitbull. Pitbull. We're talking about Vadim Nemkov. You know, uh, I mean, he's he's, he's in got, discussion. The, th- dude.
1: the thing is, yeah, he's in discussion. The thing is, he's those guys have longer resumes, or at least longer resumes against more elite guys, and so you have to give that obviously
0: Amasov as well. Amazon, too, Amazon.
1: Yeah, I mean, they just got more experience against more top guys, but he's on his way. Also, one of the I want to point out just about what he did. I mean, just did you see the setup on the rear naked choke? The question mark kick is nice. This to me wasn't as nice, but pretty goddamn slick with one hand. He has same side wrist control, right? So so on this side, Benson doesn't have use of his wrists from behind. Usman goes to the op. This is the head. Usman goes to the opposite side of the head and then pushes it over. What does that do? When the natural reaction, if you're getting pushed from behind, almost like you're getting like half or full Nelson, your reaction is to write your posture. You don't ever want to be off balance. But as he writes it into the back, Usman just pops the hand over immediately, pops the arm over. And now remember, there's nothing defending on this side because Usman already had the rear naked, or excuse me, the, the wrist control. So he just slides it through and then locks it up all day long. A brilliant finish yeah. from the back. Just, I mean, this guy has tools for days in so many different positions so even if he's not five bc i am very comfortable in saying he's top 10 i don't have any problem oh, saying yeah, that yeah. and he is on his way ladies and gentlemen look
0: that's one of the better that's one of the better signings of late from from scott Coker and bellator no you gotta doubt give them a lot it. of credit no doubt they've about discovered it. you know they've discovered a lot of breakthrough fighters of late from Nemkov to Emasov who they brought in but you know obviously aj mckee was homegrown and there's a few other guys we're excited about but like. Usman may end up being, you know, the, 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 he may end up being that dude. He may end up being that guy who becomes the absolute face of your organization because of exactly what we're saying on a worldwide level. You know, he's, he's closing it. He's coming, he's coming down that road to potentially being best in show. And God, how consistently Deep and dominant is 155 pounds, so it's saying a lot about what Bellator has here. Also,
1: I'll give credit to Bellator on the matchmaking. This was smart matchmaking, yes. In one sense, you're like, Well, yeah, it's smart because it, you know, the odds makers considered it a squash match, but it's more important than that. We thought that the odds were a little bit unfair. Um, and again, do I think that's the best that Benson Henderson could do? No, but of course, the version he turned in was you know, it's the only shot you get, we have to judge it on what it is. But to the point, it's like, Let's put him in the tournament where, I mean, like we have March Madness coming up, right? 16 versus one. It kind of felt like that. It kind of felt like Duke versus somebody who was enough to get to the dance, but probably not going to go very far. That's how a tournament should start, just sort of a natural order of things. And more to that point, setting him up against a name in Benson Henderson for visibility for his wins, I think is pretty crucial. We had obviously Alex Alexander Shabley, or Shabley, and we had Tufik Musaib, which was a tough fight, really tough fight. But the winner of that's not going to get a ton of name value out of it. Now Usman Nurmagomedov gets a lot from this win, uh, not just because he was the main event, obviously, but for all the reasons aforementioned, a great, great win for Usman Nurmagomedov BC. Really, really excited to see uh, his next step in this tournament. Cannot wait.
0: Hey, look, as I chew this fruit snack, which is probably a bad idea on camera. You yeah, know, eating, so eating on air is what stuff. they always
1: recommend to do at broadcasting school.
0: But I did it because you know, it's going to bring out my eggs and you're going to get all, you know, that's cool. But somebody DM me and was like, look, bc i love the egg shen joke but they sent me the origin of that actor and the fact that he had bell's palsy and that's why he he had to save the Guaylo in that way luke but um i hope if that you makes think you think that's feel... going
1: to get me out of not calling you egg shen, you're very wrong
0: i mean it's a it's a tick it's a tell luke you know i get really excited the thing starts going you know what i mean yeah it's yeah um... the
1: thing is you don't have bell's palsy you're just you're just a mongrel
0: well you know you always wonder growing up when you drink the tap water as aggressively as I did, Luke, not just in my hometown, but wherever I go. You know what is there a price to pay for that? Uh I'm looking at it. I'm looking <laughs> at it. <laughs> All right.
1: Uh I again, uh, we'll see how it goes in the next stage of the tournament. BC. Now, speaking of Benson Henderson, let's go to topic number 2 here. Benson Henderson retired following this loss. He had basically said there was a a, a demand he put on himself about Um, the the last four fights on the contract he had, and they had to go a certain way for him to keep going, and they didn't, so he called it a day. BC, he had quite the run in mixed martial arts. In fact, our friend Sean Elshadi over at MMA Fighting, who, of course, uh, has been covering Benson's career in a more noted way given their both proximity of being in Arizona, he put together a list of all the things that Benson Henderson had done. Ready for this? Here's his hit list after 17 years in the game. He beat Cerrone twice. He beat Nate Diaz right before a uh, title shot on Fox. He beat Frankie Edgar twice. Jorge Masvidal, Patricio Pitbull, although that one's a little dicey. Uh, yeah, Gilbert counts, Melendez, it count. yeah, it, it does count. Gilbert Melendez, Josh. Oh, that was close fight too. Josh Thompson, Clay Guida, and Jim Miller was a WEC champ and a UFC champ. BC, surely you would agree. Benson Henderson is one of the best lightweights in MMA history.
0: Yeah, and in, in in that yeah, I like when you break down the resume like the way you did because it's like he's all he's become one of the sneaky best, and it's not by disappearing from the sport. I mean, look, m- going from UFC to Bellator as a big name free agent at the time that he did, where he still had something to give. I mean, he ended up fighting for the title three different times in Bellator and two different weight classes overall. He never went away, but I think because he had lasted so long, you sometimes forget how great he was at the peak of his powers and Luke at the peak of his powers for this division lightweight. Although of course he did go up to welterweight at times. So durable, you know, ahead of the game in some aspects, the attention to detail on the calf kicking attacks and that kind of stuff big for the weight class was in such memorable fights. Uh, You know, of course he ate the showtime kick, but like was in such great memorable fights through that run that when we talk about the greatest lightweight, because Habib had just kicked that door open, and went on the run he did and you're like, Oh, is it Habib? Is it BJ Penn? What are we doing here? Even when we try to make those, those rankings real quick, Luke, we tend to forget about Benson and um, to be able to still be at this level at 39 in a $1 million tournament with a major promotion and fighting for a world title shows you that other side of legacies that we don't always talk about. Like everybody's got a peak. Everybody's got a prime. Sometimes you can extend it later than others. Sometimes you can resurrect it and have another twilight I give a lot of credit, though, to those guys who already did big things with Benson, which Benson did, but never gave up and stayed at it. And, Luke, he kept at a very high level. I mean, even if he lost these, these big step-up fights in the second half of his career, you know, he was in those. He was durable. He was tough. Um, a very special career that – it's weird. Like, it's kind of like – it's a whole hum nature in a way because he's so quiet and reserved. And he's never been a big, flashy interview. So, again, sometimes you can forget about what he did, but – Please don't. Please go back and watch. I mean, look, remember those two Edgar fights? Remember that one title fight they had in China? I think it was like s- sneaky, great fight. I mean, he's been in some great ones. And um I hope that that he's receiving those flowers. I know he's going to focus now on his wife's career and that's a cool family story there, but I hope I hope those bouquets showed up at his front door. Look, he deserves it, all right? I'm a, you know, if I only had a toothpick here, I would I would do the full tribute. I really would.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's no doubt he's one of the best lightweights in MMA history, and even some of the wins I didn't mention. For example, he had wins over Anthony Angiakawani in WEC. He had a win over Shane Roller. Shane Roller, I think, was a multiple-time All-American out of Oklahoma State, part of the initial with him and uh, Johnny Hendrickson, and I think some other guys, they were part of Team Takedown. There were these guys who were trying to sign all the best collegiate wrestlers who weren't going to go on to freestyle and turn them to MMA fighters some of them worked out some didn't Shane Roller ultimately I don't think had the best career but was a very difficult fight certainly in in 2009 and he whooped up over and then beat Cerrone then beat Jamie Varner then beat. by the way loses you mentioned the Showtime kick loses that goes to UFC as everyone migrated over first fight he gets in UFC was the very talented Mark Bocek one of the best Canadian grapplers certainly at that time a black belt very well respected and Benson Henderson beat him, then he beat Jim Miller, as we mentioned. Then he beat Clay Guida, then Frankie Edgar twice. Frankie Edgar twice, back to back. Then they Diaz, then Oh, Bill That was Melendez. Japan.
0: First Edgar fight, Japan, not China. Japan. Same yeah. meaning though. Same meaning.
1: But yeah. but he, yeah, but here is the issue with that. He runs up against. It's not I mean, and again, I'm not even mentioning the fact that he beat Rustam Habalov as well. Like he beat really good fighters, Miles Jury, so forth. The issue is that the biggest wins that he has, certainly the second Edgar fight and definitely the Melendez fight, uh, they were real close. And those are not the only ones that are real close. The patricky fight, that was weird, where he got the knot over the injury. Um, there's been a lot, even the, how about this, the Masvidal fight. There's just been a lot of fights where the audience watching, at a bare minimum, had a very disputed version of what had happened. And I think that ended up coloring the perspective on how dominant or good he was. But in the end, when you can collect that many scalps, when you can do it for as long as he did and remain as competitive for as long as he did, there's just no denying this is a very special fighter. Whether he'll go into the UFC Hall of Fame, I don't know. That's that's a completely separate question. He certainly deserves to be remembered for his success in this weight class. And even, even his B-tier wins, BC, are very, very solid oh, B-tier wins.
0: I mean, how would you describe it in a sense? He's like the sum of the parts type of fighter. Like, look, did he have one dominant skill? I mean, you know, there wasn't an overly ton of finishes. There's a lot of strong decision wins. He's got a lot of cage time, but it was because he had a fairly damn well-rounded game across the board and was very stubborn in some of those defensive categories to prevent people from taking over. But it wasn't like he was known particularly for one thing. He was just a, a damn great mixed martial artist.
1: He was, and he was aggressive. But I think it's the series of decisions from Pettis Uh, the Pettis loss all the way to the, in between the Pettis fights, he had nothing but decision. So he decision, Bocek decision, Miller decision, Guida decision, Edgar decision, Edgar decision, Nate Diaz decision, Melendez. And he gets finished by Anthony Pettis there. I think that I think played a role because to your point, like what was his ace in the hole to me? He was hard to hurt. As we mentioned, great scrambler, very hard to choke. Just guys would go for chokes on him. and couldn't get it relentless pace. Uh, I would say the one thing he kind of developed, you mentioned the calf kick, his kicking game kind of brought some new dynamism. Remember he had a Taekwondo background. That was a big part of what he did. So he just brought in some dynamism in that way, but he was much more a jack of all trades than a master of some. Uh, And I think that he just overall, he played the levels really well. Again, another thing like Khabib had like dominant wrestling or you guys see like dominant strikers or dominant punchers. He never had exactly that, but the full tool belt, the, the Batman belt around his, around his waist there was it was very difficult to deal with in the time in which he competed in the aughts or excuse me the, he, the always,
0: he always had a great motor too it was always in shape you gotta yep. be if you're gonna go five rounds with all these killers yeah
1: uh didn't have didn't i mean the problem was like the fights he had in terms of like rivals people think he lost either one or both the edgar fights he never had a rematch against melendez he lost both pettis fights he never had like that trilogy that lifted him and in terms of a narrative he was just always kind of that guy, that thorn in the side of the division rather than the accepted king. There was just a lot of dispute Well, he did at have the,
0: time. the trilogy with, with Cowboy. It was just that he had won the first two. So it was sort of like, oh, we're doing it a third time. Oh, okay. right,
1: right, right. Yeah, fair. Well, actually, well, he fought Cerrone in uh, 2009 and then twice in WEC. And then, yes, they had the loss to him at the end there. That's right. I apologize in 2015. Still... You know, that fight kind of sucked, too. Although he rebounded from that against Brandon Thatch. I mean, that was kind of amazing as well. Yeah, well, that's way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: Thatch was supposed to be like the next big thing. And then old Benson whooped up on him and then beat All Then fight tries to fight Koreshkov at 170. That got him a bit of trouble. But certainly daring to be great the entire time, too. And by the way, just looking at his fights here, never had, never ducked a difficult challenge. Ever, 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 ever. Always signed up for the toughest
0: assignments. Here's the hard question. When I say Mount Rushmore, you know that means four spots. Is he on the Mount Rushmore of either lightweight MMA history or WEC history or none of either, but, hey, great career?
1: I think he might be on WEC. So WEC, you would have who? You would have Pettis. Faber. Faber. Aldo. Aldo. Faber, Pettis, Aldo.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, that's where you go. Do you go cowboy, but he didn't win the belt, right? I mean, you right. can go and, Mike and Thomas Brown, and, but it, and, and, and it wasn't did. sustained.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Pettis, yeah, Pettis has to be on there, dude. He's yeah, yeah,
1: Pettis, DJ, Aldo, Faber. Maybe that, Pettis, DJ, Mikey Aldo, offering
0: Faber. Miguel Torres and Henan Baral. Mm. Or Dom Cruz. Or Dom Cruz, but, you know, he... He
1: Dom Cruz
0: yeah yeah i mean he may not be on yeah yeah yeah.
1: so he's this is what i mean like you can't knock the resume very very respectable very high achiever but i think there are a couple of things either the the nature of the wins themselves um or again that the the game you speak to it's really well-rounded but not super specific in one kind of way i think that holds him back just a little bit but a very, very, very successful MMA career. And I don't know what kind of money he made, BC, but I hope it's enough.
0: I you have a history enough. interviewing him, Luke? I mean, he was never like overly, you know, expressive.
1: No, not so much. I, I think I interviewed him a couple times early in his WEC UFC run. And, you know, I, I mean, this idea where we have to like interview fighters, the, the same guys every single year, really never made sense to me. So I haven't really spoken to him in a long time. But, you know, I got a lot of respect for what he was able to pull off. And he's clearly a thoughtful guy. Clearly, a guy. By the way, remember he was going to like all these jujitsu tournaments to challenge himself in the middle of his UFC career, just because he wanted to like get competition and get better. Just always ran into the fire, never around it. Right, always right through yeah. the middle. And you got it. You have to really take your hat off to him for a guy like that.
0: As uh, much as it's weird that he fought with a toothpick in his mouth, do you know that Hulk Hogan in his prime would wrestle with a razor blade in his mouth because you know they use the razor blade to 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 cut, to blade, Luke, to, to produce blood, and normally they keep it under the tape on their wrists. Dude, Hogan used to put that in his mouth and wrestle with it. How weird is that?
1: Yeah, well, Hulk Hogan, you know, also banged love with the love sponge's wife. I mean, we're just, you know.
0: Okay. That I mean, that was the worst of his of his moves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yep. He, uh, from what I understand. Um, not the most racially progressive guy. Uh, <laughs> all right, there
0: know. we go. There we go, yeah. I mean, from it's what true, I've heard, what From what I've heard. I've heard, heard the tape, yeah. I've heard yeah, the don't tape, sue me, true.
1: Peter Thiel. I don't have that much money. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right, BC, let's go to point number three here if we can in today's show. Let's get to the UFC action on Saturday. Marab Oh, the yeah,
0: dude. How good was this breakthrough moment here? Wow, yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, so you and I have kind of been on the fence about Marab. We had always known, and this was obvious to everyone, that he had just had the sickest cardio. And by the way, I'm just going to say it. He's got the best cardio in MMA. Period. Like I yeah. there's no one quite like him. Uh independent of weight class, independent of organization, nobody has a motor like Did you see like that video?
0: Uh, to cut you off. Did you see that video of him at a pool where it was this really really long pool. It was uh, it was indoors somewhere and he jumped in one end of it, Luke, and swam the entire distance at insanely fast speed and then got out and was like flexing. But like it's a distance that even elite athletes would be like, you know, It was like multiple pools connected together. I mean, the guy's just got sick, sick endurance. and
1: Yeah, he's got cardiovascular conditioning that is historically rare. You're just not going to see guys like this very often. So anyway, he beats Jan. I'm not going to say easily, BC, but in terms of the scorecards, he basically blanked him. He blanked him. Yeah. Okay, in your mind. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Aljo. We'll talk about it in a second. In your mind. Is there any doubt he's the number one contender at 135 pounds?
0: Well, yeah, there is some doubt because the division is insanely deep, as we know. It's been bottlenecked at the top consistently because of different reasons. Aljo being hurt, the DQ changing of hands of the title, a lot of that. And it's still kind of weird right now that Sugar Sean O'Malley, after beating the same guy, Piotr Jan, was allowed to cut the class, get the number one contender spot, but then didn't get the title shot isn't fighting anyone as of right now for an interim title shot, right? You could easily do the, the rematch against uh, against uh Cheeto, and they didn't do that. So does Marab deserve to jump ahead of that? Well, can't you argue that even though he didn't do it as dynamically or as one-sidedly, O'Malley just beat that same guy? Either way, Luke, the, 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 the real thing here is, even separate from the talk about the relationship between him and Aljo, which I get, get is a big part of this, Yeah, what this this was an absolute breakthrough moment in his career because we did have questions about the striking. The striking isn't completely there on the same level of what he does, but the way he's able to utilize the head movement and with that insane pace and the fact that when he does connect, those are some big shots. He really loads up on those right hands. He's right in this mix. If he's not getting the next title shot in the winner of um, Aljo going against uh, Henry Cejudo, and obviously again, there's relationship issues there. There's some monster fights for him. You can see him. I mean, look, what if he fought Sugar Sean O'Malley for the interim title next? What if he fought Cheeto Vera? What if he fought anybody? He's at at most, he's going to have to fight one more before the title. But that's the type of breakthrough performance that if this was any other division at any other time, you'd be you know finding out his belt size right now to get ready for this title bout because he jumped through our screen he took on a guy in Jan who yeah had the weirdest stretch of three losses and four fights for an elite fighter that we've seen in some time yet from the very beginning he dragged him into deep waters and even though Jan, we know Jan's heart and his spirit and he fought back and he tried he landed some big shots at times but luke he was coming from behind the entire fight after the big moments in the first round, just completely overwhelmed by this pace, not enough to break him, not enough for him to get stopped and exposed fully. But once again, you know, Jan goes into a huge fight against a huge contender here. And this time he came up empty again. And dude, it's because Marab is leaping through your screen with confidence and the ability to mix that whole game together. Um, You know, he's like Habib to a certain standpoint he may never need to fully figure out the striking. Habib made his own striking work for him in relation to the threat of his ground game and how just incredibly smart he was. Barab, like the striking's good enough right now, Luke. He can win a championship tomorrow if he got the chance. So what a freaking performance. And before I throw it back to you, I know they were only at the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas because of the stupid uh, dick slapping thing over at the Apex, Luke. On uh, Brought to you by Rumble TV, whatever that is, Luke. But I will tell you this. Um, him, and we've seen that venue before, the old Hard Rock. You, we've seen it for years in UFC, boxing, all that. The fighters essentially come in like through the crowd almost to get to the cage. Marab stopping and high and everybody. That small crowd was filled with Georgian flags. That was a. Environment and he seemed to thrive on that, and it seemed to buoy boo- boo-y him, buoy him, buoy him. Luke, we haven't figured out how to say that word, have we?
1: No, we have. It's buoy.
0: Okay, he had seemed to it seemed to buoy him to an altogether next level. And when you look back at the run and the consecutive win streak, it's like, okay, he almost got stopped against Marais and had to had show superhuman effort. But outside of that, dude, he's getting a lot better every single fight and not getting banged around a lot outside of that Marais fight.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if this stat I'm about to tell you is still in play as the there's only three guys in it, him now adding himself to it. But a few years ago, I was talking with the fight metric guys, and they were telling me, but this again, this, there may be more at this point. But this was a few years ago. They were saying that there's two guys to this point that have, in a single UFC fight, scored at least 100 significant strikes and 10 takedowns in the same fight. One was Cain Velasquez. One was Cain Velasquez. One was Usman Nur- Excuse me. One was Kamaru Usman. I apologize. Uh, you can now add Marab to the list. Marab in this fight. Listen to this fucking stat line. This is insane. <laughs> okay, ready. He attempted 401 strikes, landing 202, of which 147 were significant. He attempted, and I can't believe I'm looking at this, 49 takedowns in this fight. You're like, well, he only got 11 of them. Big fucking deal. He got 11 of them. 11 takedowns, 147 significant strikes. Six minutes and 53 seconds of control time. That is insane. Yes. Bonkers, bonkers level of output. BC, he, first of all, we should say something. Mirab's striking to me looked the best it's ever looked. Now, some By of it far. he landed, a lot of he didn't, but he looks like he is improving his technical refinement, and I want to be very clear about that. On the other hand, I don't know how much he needs to refine it If he can spam this much volume at guys, dude, Jan did not have bad cardio in this fight. Jan didn't look pathetic in this fight at all. He was a worthy adversary. Nobody can stand up to this kind of volume. Either you hurt and put Marab away or it is fucking curtains for you
0: over the long haul it's brilliant the way you just said that because that's exactly here's how smart that team is. Now look, Rob's showing us he's got a hell of an IQ, but obviously co- credit coach Longo, Matt, Sarah and the crew over there, the way that they looked at Jan and said, okay, late starter, right? Takes time to figure it out. Thrives down the stretch of the championship round. It's been like pay Jan's superpower in some of his biggest wins, you know, San Hagen on and on. They, they jumped out with such a quick pace on him early that they put him into that fight or flight mode. I mentioned that he never properly recovered from. So, like automatically, that put him in such a big advantage. And to your point, unless you're gonna stand in there and f- finish him, Maurice went ham in that first round and tried. Jan never c- truly committed because I think he was already facing an uphill battle cardio-wise with how wild the start was for him. But he never really bit down and said, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour out the jug right now and see if I can finish you. Obviously, because if you don't. Marab's going to run you over, but the difference between Marab and anybody else who spams takedowns and, you know, the the, the perfect image I have that is Damian Maya in defeat against Tyron Woodley. Remember, it's just like constant, constant takedown. The difference is, is that Marab doesn't always need to do the takedown. He, He, look, he's so smart. He gets up in your grill, but it's the constant fakes and feints, which are nonstop. He's just waiting for that little slight opening where he's either coming over the top with the big right hand, he's surprising you with a calf kick, or he's shooting in for those single leg takedowns. And the way they described in the broadcast, what that does always going for single legs instead of double leg, keeping the opponent off balance. He's just like, you see those stats, you see how he just destroyed Kane Velasquez's record for most attempts for takedowns in a single fight, but it wasn't this reckless you know, stubborn Damian Mile level. It was constantly reading what's in front of him, making the other person show their tell and then respond to it. I don't think we give him and his team enough credit for how smart they are, Luke. And the 25 minutes showed us exactly what he's operating with up here, which means it's not just, okay, you know, is O'Malley a potential kryptonite because he's such a sharpshooter and he can pick him apart coming in. Well, you better finish him if you're going to pick him apart coming in because he's going to take a chunk of your stamina in the craziness that he lures you into. I don't really know what is the right style to counter this. What does it look like, Luke, when he goes up against a super elite wrestler? He can take the risk of gassing them out just through the the constant attempts of taking them down. I mean, it is a superpower, but I think to your and my point about the striking, at least he's got a powerful right hand. There were moments where where it looked like Jan might start getting back into the fight. Where when he got too close, Marab really popped him with one that 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 reminded him, like I'm not only going to be up your ass this whole fight, I'm going to be on you. But if you you know if you if you take too many chances, I can get you out of here. And I didn't I didn't see this coming. I saw a guy who's always going to be kind of a wild card of Marab with some of the elite skills that he has. But now that he's putting it all together and making it work in one flow state. And now that the commitment to those, those constant fakes are just making him so hard to pick up, this is going to be an interesting puzzle for the most elite coaches and fighters in this division to really study that tape and figure out how to constantly either get him off rhythm or, or meet him in his tracks with something big that makes him think twice. But Jan can do that, Luke. Piotr Jan can knock you the F out. He couldn't slow this guy down at all.
1: He couldn't. And again, the only way you're going to stop him is you it's, you know what, you know, who would be a tough matchup for him if there was someone in the weight class like this. I actually think a Yair Rodriguez would be like a tough fight. Now again, one's bantamweight, one's feather. That's never going to happen. But what I mean is what do we say about a guy like Rodriguez great body attacks by the way, and at range, but he just has attacks everywhere. So many guys spend so much time defending. I'm going to grab the wrist. I'm going to wizard. I'm going to, you know, turn my hips, I'm going to have my guard up, whatever. I'm going to defend this onslaught. You almost have to just eat it and then fire back constantly. Because unless he gets hurt in some kind of meaningful way, a big, big cut, his knee is injured or ankle or, his, you know, body hurts for some reason. Unless he is meaningfully hurt, I, I don't know if he's at this stage of his career, I don't know if he's stoppable. i, I He will just yeah. keep going. In this, and I mean, I he showed
0: tremendous point. heart against Moraes, like stupid level heart, right? Just he sure, just... Did. and that's,
1: that's the other part, too. Like, he's, he's not. I, I want to read this, I, I, I'm, I'm making it out to be like you know, he's just a volume guy. But BC, listen to his career stats to this point, right? Because he's not only putting out a ton of volume, he's depressing what other guys can do by virtue of the volume. In some ways, his best off his best defense, excuse me, is his offense just because it's smothering. But his strikes landed per minute 4.46, that's very good. Stri- uh, strikes absorb per minute, two point four one. That's below average for a ranked fighter. That's good, right? The lower your golf score, the better. That's what that is. He has a he does not. He gets hit half as often as he hits. I can tell you, there's a lot of ranked fighters that are not that way. And how about this, BC? Takedowns per 15 minutes, six point five five. An astronomically high number. Even good grapplers are usually sub two per Damn. 15. He's nearly at seven per 15 minutes. Dude, what the fuck are you going to do with that guy? Seriously. (laughs) Uh,
0: Look, before we get into what should be next in the future of him and him and Aljo being best friends, when we do talk about what we're talking about right now, like who's going to who can who can figure this out? O'Malley's an interesting matchup because of the sharpshooting nature, but obviously Marab could be monster kryptonite for him and just, just you know take him down, drag out the cardio. I do wonder if Cheeto Vera with the extreme violence can can either discipline Marab's output to a certain degree or like cut him, chop him open, do something that really tries to prevent that downhill motion. What about Umar Namargomedov, who's not currently in the top 10, but he's coming on, Luke? That's another guy with such a unique, well-rounded game that you're like. Well, well, let me let me hold judgment. You know, get what he'd look like against him until we get there and see it. But those three ideas in mind of who could look good against him, I want to know your opinion here. If you're if you're Sean Shelby, what do you do next? Because O'Malley does not have a fight. I don't think Cheeto Vera has a fight. I thought he was recovering from injury. Uh where are we going it, here? Because Aljo got Cheeto next.
1: No, Cheeto's yep. fighting Sandhagen, right?
0: Oh, you're right. So let's let's get let's update that. I'm sorry about that. So we don't know about O'Malley. Cheeto fighting Sanhagen, and Aljo's got Cejudo. Now Aljo and and Marab are not going to fight, and you know I respect that, Luke. Unless unless Marab beats everybody, and Aljo's still the champion, then we change that conversation. But if for right now, there are enough matchups, in my opinion, Luke, where he doesn't necessarily need the title shot. Where are you going? Which direction here?
1: Well, I've seen people being like, oh, there's no way Marab and uh, Aljo will fight. Well, if I had to bet, I would bet that they would, in fact, not fight. Uh, however, you know, I have lived through long enough of combat sports to see many times teammates uh, say we're never going to fight, and then later on, they actually find a way to, in fact, fight. So while I, while I appreciate that they don't want it, and I suspect they will resist it, for example, Koscheck and Fitch never fought. There was a lot of pressure on those guys to face one another when they were at the same time, and AKA, they never did. Okay. But I've also seen the opposite happen a lot. So if it doesn't happen, I think you can go, uh, well, let's just back up a step. If if Henry Cejudo wins, I don't think they're going to give Aljo an immediate rematch. I just have a feeling right. that they're not going to go that direction, right, even if he ekes one out. So that you could do, you could go give him the title shot after that. That's one thing you could do. They leave Sean O'Malley. The only issue is BC, Umar Nurmagomedov, I'm not saying your point is not well taken because I agree with you. In fact, Umar is a sniper, and I think a guy like that could be a real problem for a guy like Marab, but he's only sitting at 11. Yeah. He's only sitting at 11. Ricky Simone, who's done great work, is sitting at 10. You got Song Yadong at 8, Rob Fawn at 6. Obviously, Marlon and Corey are going to fight each other sitting at 4 and 5. So it creates a real interesting problem. Marab's going to have to sit out, I think, honestly, if they – um, dude, you what about Sean fight?
0: O'Malley? Why is he not fighting Sean O'Malley, dude? No, That's aren't the they fight.
1: Gonna, Okay, but if you're UFC, okay, let's just back up a step. Let's say you're Sean uh Sean uh I almost said Al Shadi. You're Sean what the fuck Matt, the Shelby? Yeah. Henry beats Aljo. And let's say he does it triumphantly, right? You're gonna want to make Henry versus Sean O'Malley, right?
0: Yes. The only way I think you get around that is with an interim title. And again, I don't like to advocate for the misuse of interim titles. And this would be a misuse. The champion is not injured or away or suspended or anything. But it allows you to present it as an absolute big legitimate moment. I mean, what about the idea? Like, because, you know, you again, like you said, you respect Aljo and Marab saying you're not going to fight each other. I agree with you that if Marab beat enough guys and Aljo decided not to move up and was beating enough guys, it would be a pisser, you know, get off the pot moment. But UFC could kind of F around and make that thing happen sooner than later by putting O'Malley against Marab for an interim title that would, you know, go off a little bit after Aljo versus Henry happens. And if it just so happens that the two teammates survive in advance, then they got to make that decision, Luke. I'll just got to move up in that instance, and then Mirab will be Mirab will just be fighting that next guy in line. Maybe the winner of Sanhagen versus Cheeto. Um, I don't hate that idea, but I don't think you are going to get on board with it. What's what do you what do you have against that interim title idea? Kind of fixes everything, even though I hate doing that.
1: The problem is you don't have you would be doing that to accommodate guys in ways that the UFC doesn't have to. I mean, they never have to with the interim title, but in ways where they really don't have to here.
0: But that's so all just, they do in modern history. It's all they do is accommodate that to fill out the marquee. You know that. That's what we do here.
1: They might. I'm not. Uh, okay. I'm not saying it's crazy. I'm not saying it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's unlikely only because the champion is not in recess. That The title is moving, but they could, uh, like, alleviate the log jam, I think is what you're trying to say, right? So, yes,
0: because that would force this conversation. If Aljo and Mirab both won those difficult matchups, then you'd go, okay, guys. You're number one and two. You're you you both have parts of the same championship. Aljo, either go now or let's see how you know. Let's see if you guys want to figure this out. Okay, that'd yeah. be a great way to fix this division. But you know they don't let me match make too much, Luke. You know Sean no, and Nick. They, they don't. They don't. I, I, you
1: know. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to make one point. If I be. see, I saw something over the weekend because uh, I didn't watch any of the fights live. I, I decided to have a weekend with my family, so I had to go back and watch everything later. And I noticed something that uh, was brought to my attention, which was kind of interesting. There's this, uh, I'll give it a shout out. There's this Twitter account called MMA Wretch. They do good work. And basically he, the, he or she, whoever it is, ends up making a point, which you kind of know, but they show the details of how it's true. Namely, Marab implemented very specific tactics, including some single legs, and then forcing, uh, or I should say compelling anyway, Jan to use his high guard to block in order to get to certain positions to get to the hips to get to the leg and then run the leg back to the fence and this was causing a shit ton of problems for jan why do i bring this up some of those things that jan did or did not he reacted in certain ways to al sterling and al didn't realize some of that in real time but it's a five round fight they fought twice the second one went the full distance you actually get a little bit more tape and so here is a real big challenge for fighters who are championship level um, or former champs themselves, once you get to that level, dude, there is so much tape on you, and you might have opponents that are teammates, that this is why it's so hard to maintain a title, because we haven't talked about the fact that Jan won the title, lost it, and has gone 1-3 since then. To me, it's really not an accident. You're looking at Marab taking things that fighters, including his teammate, have learned over the course of Jan's UFC run, put a much more specific game plan together around very known recent weaknesses or at least tendencies anyway you can turn a tendency into a weakness and they're using that against them it's my opinion bc yes champ champs are special but to me the hardest thing to do in mma is to win a ufc title to begin with and then defend it over time because we just saw it with valentina shevchenko dude there is tape on you what did grasso grasso excuse me do She they had planned for her to spin and jump the back. That only comes from years of having available tape. You don't know what the tendencies are with how she throws that and when she throws that until you fully studied it. it. Turns out she throws it often a little bit too close to her opponents, right? But you have to, there's time it takes to get all these details out of someone. Dude, Jan has gotten to a stage of his career where there's a lot of either known weaknesses or known tendencies that they can build weaknesses around. And it's really, really, really hard to undo that. I want to say it again, dude. Jan didn't look bad. He didn't look bad. Well, he just looked how much overwhelmed.
0: You... Mikey just chimed in with the point that's similar to what you're just making, that you know, Coach Longo and company had had game planned twice already for Jan against Aljo. So They use that information wisely here, Luke, and then had a different.
1: Yeah. The answer is yes, that they, if you watch the first round of the first fight between Aljo and Jan, Aljo was just raining on him. You know what I mean? Like there was just nowhere to go. Yes. But different ways, different ways in which they were able to set up stuff. I thought, I think more educated ways. And again, dude, Aljo's got a great gas tank. He doesn't have a bad gas tank at all. But no one's got a marab gas tank, and he can yeah. he can do forty nine takedown attempts, four
0: hundred attempted strikes. That's fucking insane, insane. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, do you think they'll go back to Virgin Hotels because of how fun this was, or do you think Dana didn't even watch the card?
1: I don't think he even watched the card. You know.
0: All right. I mean, dude, <laughs> did you like anyway. that? F- Didn't you like that feeling of that fan interaction? Was that was I the only one getting high off that?
1: So I like it, but I didn't love. Also, if you're Yawn, that small cage. I don't know how much he liked it. I don't know how much he liked that. That's a lot to deal with, you know. So that I guess it'd still be small on the Apex, but we're talking about like what's a good place to put a fight? Maybe a place where you can have the full size. Cage, I don't know, it depends on your perspective.
0: Hey, okay, whatever ad Zuck wants Luke, he's gonna get at the end of the day. You know that. Um, do you think Piotr Jan stays with the UFC? I don't know his contract situation, but when you lose four or five at the elite level, you know, you kind I mean, of run out of guys, yeah, yeah. yes, but, and no,
1: dude. That division's tough, so maybe he wants a break, maybe he wants to go someplace else. But this is what I was thinking about, BC, in this whole thing, which is. If you're Jan, you definitely need a reset, right? You definitely need a reset. It's time for a reset. But this is not Darren Till asking for a release for very different circumstances. Now, Till's had a lot of losses. I think more, five to this point. He's only a three. But Till, to me, was regressing. I want to say it again. Jan did not look bad. He did not look bad. He did not look like a guy who can't beat good fighters or elite fighters, top five fighters. His last win was over Corey Sandhagen, who's still a top-five fighter. But I do think it's time for a reset in the sense of, let's get someone a little bit more manageable for a get-back win. And I think he's got to switch some stuff up. If guys are making game plans this specific, he's got to work on making some new setups and new changes or some changes in the way that he does things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, two of those losses are split decisions. One of those was a DQ. It's kind of hard, but we'll see where he's going here. I mean, it's, I never thought, I mean, this is, this is what happens. This is the dark side of daring to be great. He's been very aggressive in his matchmaking after each defeat, always wanting to get right back in line, you know, whatever it takes to fight that next guy, this division's so deep that dude, this can actually happen. Um, wild, wild Luke, uh, Man, damn! I love this division. Think about this: we get Cejudo. Kind of, it's almost under the radar. Like I know we're talking about it, or oh, no. not really talking about it. He's just parachuting into this already deep and amazing division at the moment. When we have so many names who could be wearing this title. Uh what a time! What a time! That fight and that fight was so fun. Just that atmosphere. I don't know, Luke. Uh, dude, Marab's coming on, and in in. in it's it's hard to say we should have saw it coming because sometimes it just goes full bloom at the right moment. That was that was the damn moment right there. There it is. Yeah, I
1: mean listen, Jan was the favorite, but barely. I think I do we all knew that Marab was a threat. What I didn't know was that he could put together such a here's the problem, right? Against Aldo, it felt a little, I don't know, one note. Like he just had yeah. one gear he could go to. This felt like he had a full plan. And he engineered it and and worked it to perfection. He had a symphony going here. All the different all the different sections were flowing all at all at, when the times that they needed to. And it was balanced and efficient and yet still overwhelming. That was such a masterclass in how to weaponize cardio and volume against a very difficult. Again, I want to say it again. A very difficult opponent. I he really. I mean, he had my respect before. Well, he really has it now amazing yeah. performance amazing
0: oh uh, mikey just reminded me the reason why i brought up the idea of like jan leaving was he had threatened to leave the ufc in november when he due to the uh, judging due to the judging following what, what, what can you
1: say here this is fair
0: judging bro you no, lost there, you know? no this was this was fair game he does have to go back to the drawing board i just don't know sometimes look sometimes if you that have many losses happen you're like i gotta leave this territory i gotta just go somewhere else you know yeah. regain my mojo win a title there and then maybe come back one day we'll see i mean look look be, Luke, wouldn't if he be had, the worst if, idea. If, he's
1: still he's still in his 20s if I'm not mistaken
0: yeah I mean I'd like to see him in a trilogy bout with Mogomed Mogomed off you
1: uh that wouldn't be the worst idea I mean he doesn't you're saying he has to go to Bellator i oh, he's 30. I'm not saying he's 30. that he's 30. I just he just I like I like interesting
0: matchups. 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 <laughs> when I put on the Randy couture hat I like interesting matchups Luke okay right, and that's right. one Fair of them enough. right there I mean I'll,
1: listen let me be clear about this going to Bellator actually could be a good idea although dude Bellator's <laughs> 135 division <laughs> is not some fucking walk in the park no. man there's no. tough guys down there too so like you know uh, yes, I will farm. take
0: your soul. Hey, dude, speaking of that quickly, because Patchy Mix has that big fight with Rafion Stots and Bellator for a million bucks. Did you hear on that broadcast over the weekend? And I'm sure DC and Felder got got uh, penalized for this through their ear hole. But they were bringing up Rafion Stots and they were mentioning that Paul Felder used to train with him and because Stotts had that early loss to Marab, I believe. And they were saying, you know, stats hasn't lost since then. And then there was a pause. And then D- Cormier's like, yo, is he still the champion in that other place? And I'm like, oh, the producers are going to hate this, dude. They're yeah. going to hate this.
1: Although Dana's not – they're not as crazy as they used to be about stuff like that. No, somebody
0: made crazy. him stop, dude, because Felder resp- – Okay, quickly. Earlier in the broadcast, Felder and DC were responding back to their producer on the air. And then they finally were like, oh, sorry, guys. I was, you know, answering a question of the produ- – because the producer was giving him stats – This sounded like the producers were like, dude, stop talking about the other side. And then Felder actually said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And then it just awkwardly I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: The UFC still, every promotion wants to pretend it's North Korea and that any other promotion doesn't exist. So that's true more generally, although some are, you know, less hard up about it. But I would just say in general, like Rogan had a Bellator reference recently on air. You know, it's, it's happened. It's happened. It used maybe to be maybe like, because not even acknowledge I'm... elite X C you couldn't even acknowledge the IFL now it's like all right
0: oh I was hoping you would conspiracy it to the level because Stotts owns an MK bomber jacket that maybe you know they're like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I'll say this if you're if you're wondering if a producer was in his ear telling him to stop you're probably right because you know how that yes. is too but yeah. I'm just saying like they used to be like absolutely fucking insane bringing up anything else now it's not as big a deal but okay neither here nor there all right PC uh, question number four. Let's make it a little more open-ended here. BC, who on the Bellator or UFC card this this uh, past weekend stood out for their strong performance?
0: Dude, I'm glad I put my confidence back in him because I still do think Alexander Volkov has a, sh- a shot at getting himself down the line into a title shot. I know he's looked at as either the worst of the best heavyweights or the most elite gatekeeper that this division has. And I do recognize that Alexander Romanov just recently, a monster prospect in this division. Luke, I don't know what happened. He fought like shit, and he came in at 264 and a half pounds, half pound shy of the limit, looking in extreme dad bod mode, like worse shape than he was in yeah. when he gassed out against Marcin Tibera and lost That's that right. majority decision, like visibly worse shape. So, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna overlook the potential of fool's gold here. But the reason why I'm so high on that performance from Volkov is, Did you see the level of shape he came in? Did you hear the, the pre-fight interviews talking about how much he's dedicating to takedown defense and grappling, knowing that, look, 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 he hit his ceiling a couple times over now where he looked like a possible threat and then couldn't get over the hump against Blades, although he fought well, right? Couldn't get over the hump and um, Aspinall subs him out. And you're like, ah, oh, damn, man, maybe he never will. At 34, he has made that decision that we all get to at some point in our career of if I don't give every single thing I have, it's not going to happen. I think he's doing that right now. But, dude, can I get your answer? What the hell happened to Romanoff? Because that's about as damaging a two-fight stretch after you were, like, hungry, hungry hippoing everyone before that, dude. He could yeah. be in trouble here. Yeah,
1: he has shaken my confidence in him big time. He had some potential. To your point, he, to your point, he had a better physique, much less fat on him, in a contest where he still gassed and then this one as you indicated he came in he had to cut to make 265 like he was i think 264 and a half was where he weighed in at specifically it's like dude what what is going on with your decision making where you think this is a good idea or not that costly you cannot fight guys like alexander volkov half-assed or marginally or somewhat prepared and really expect to win you're like oh well john jones did that right john jones did that you are not john yeah. jones right I mean, you got to be you have to understand that there are very special guys and you can like them or hate them but they are special and they're going to get away with shit that dude that dude's not that he's just not that and so the lack of the lack of i mean and now listen if he was injured and took the fight because he needed money that's one thing you know sure. maybe but if he was just like yeah i could be bigger and it's not really a big deal you're just if that's the case if you're just not thinking clearly. You're well, not he also rationally.
0: was spamming takedown attempts to the level like he would not give up on that single. Like Luke, he was willing to run that play. So that for- tells
1: that tells me that he didn't have cardio for later, and he knew it. So yeah, he was. It was just. It was just get him down right away, or else, right? Because you're not gonna have. You're not gonna have cardio in the end of round three, or even the half back half of round two. Get it in now and it didn't Luke, work, obviously.
0: Uh, during the preview, when I teed up the idea of Volkov's back tad and your you know, your updated take on it, you didn't seem that familiar in that moment. Uh, did you catch that when you rewatched it? Did you? Do you like what he's doing? I didn't really pay attention to it.
1: Do we have another shot at it?
0: Mikey would, would know that. Our fantastic producer, Mikey mile uh, uh, Mikey, not. do
1: me do me a favor. We don't have to... Yeah, grab one later. We can take a look at it. Mikey, I don't know if you have it. I want to do uh, talk about my guy over the weekend. And I got to tell you, BC... <laughs> I thought I thought there's a chance Yamauchi might win. You know, I really did. And uh, who knows what would have happened in a different world, BC. But about 30 seconds into Yamauchi's fight with MVP, we learned he may never walk again, is really what happened. Can we say something about MVP? We talked about a, what a great signing Usman Nurmagomedov is for Bellator. MVP, I think, was a slow win for them. Because we had talked about it early in his career, you know, was not fighting the toughest guys. But he's now now you could say he certainly is. And on top of that, you're just talking about a guy who just has insane viral wins. The win over Cyborg Santos is the one we talked to him about. Um, how about this one on top of it, BC? He shatters the kneecap or some shit of the right leg of a guy like Goichi Yamauchi – with just his second or third kick of the fight and stops it. Dude, I don't know what to say about MVP. The guy is a born highlight machine. Sometimes in very, sometimes I should say in very gruesome ways. Yeah, But wow, is he not, you mentioned Spike Carlisle is the best TV fighter. No, MVP is the best TV fighter. Oh, for sure. Memorable
0: performances all the time. As long as we can forgive him for that Paul Daly fight, then yes. Yeah, that that one
1: sucked. And then the Logan-Storley fight sucked, but that was not necessarily his fault. But, But dude, the wins he's had have been spectacular at times.
0: My favorite memory though, that Paul Daly MVP fight was the next morning when I flew into uh Hartford from LA. Luke, I was out there for something, and uh I ran into Morrow as he was about to get on the plane to fly home from the Mohegan Sun. And he had he was it was like 4 a.m. and he was so angry still, like hung over in anger from that fight not living up to the entertainment, you know, options no that, it, that it ultimately had. But no, MVP, that's a big one. Luke, they were John, big John teed him up about the potential. I know the ass kicking machine is ranked one higher than him. Jason Jackson, who has a fight coming up and he was like, do you want to fight the winner? I love the MVP. He's like, no, dude, i want to fight Amosov. Like I'm ready for the belt now. Considering he lost that questionable split decision to Storley and considering Storley just got blanked, right? When he lost to him, it was for the interim title. Dude, you got, it would be promotional malpractice not to do MVP versus Amosov next. Three and a half months from now, Luke, right? That's do it, do it.
1: I agree. And also, just it just gives you some, you know, this is why the bare knuckle thing for him is was not the wisest idea, which he kind of conceded in retrospect. He wanted to stick a fight cuz he wanted to stay busy, and Beltor wanted to accommodate him, two thumbs up. That seems great, but that skill set is not his best when he can move and use all of his limbs, knees, shins, whatever, elbows. He's just he's hard to deal with. That's a that's a that's a gross ass win, <laughs> but uh, it's a win just the same, man. Ridiculous. Look, I want to
0: ask you quickly as we round out the the everything else in MMA from the weekend. We didn't talk much about that other lightweight Grand Prix bout for Bellator, the co-main event when Alexander Shabli or
1: yeah, Chablis, what, I, whatever
0: Shabli, uh, gets a third round TKO over Tofik Musayev, who came in with you know the bigger threat of power and he was the betting favorite. Dude, I, I don't know if Chablis we have videos. was the betting favorite. Uh, really i thought it was musai or oh, right. anyway I'll double, I'll, double I'll double check for what it's worth luke so shabley wins that fight so that fight got they almost got booed out of the building in round one it was not a highly contain, It was very you know patient and poised once they started mixing it up did you see the finishing strike when shabley landed a beautiful front kick to the to the body to almost the you know where the chest meets the stomach but as the foot came down the heel caught Musayev in the balls Luke and they stopped it and you're like okay accidental foul but when the ref finally cornered him and was like uh you know can you continue do you want to continue and he said no he lost by TKO is that legal like I, so, so it is so, the body kick that hurt him but dude he got he got tagged in the piece i saw it
1: i guess the way it ultimately went down was that he has a choice to decide um how much uh how, whether it was intentional or not it certainly wasn't intentional and then to what extent was he wincing in pain from the actual shot and that this was incidental or how much was it directly from it which is just a judgment call from the referee i think he actually in the end made the right call and the reason why is it turns out musayev had broken ribs that Ooh. shot that shot from alexander Shabli broke his fucking ribs dude
0: i didn't know that and that that is that makes that call perfect like right. that
1: he, he he actually nailed
0: it because in real time, and, and then watching the replays right after, I'm like, "How do you call that a loss?" You know, like I, yeah. I get that he was more hurt to the body, but it's not like he didn't get caught. And every time somebody gets caught, in the ref sees it, you stop the you stop the fight, right? You give him a chance. So is it so is the ruling that because it was also a clean strike before it that will give you the full five minutes? But the ruling is, I mean, obviously the ruling is they called it a TKO. But like that's the yeah. official thing. If you can't continue after five minutes, you lose
1: that's right so basically they were going to give him the five minutes for the nut shot but they were not suggesting that the nut shot was a fight ender and if he couldn't continue it must have been from the other strike and therefore they called it off and you're like well, again in real time it seemed very questionable after the fact it seems like the referee actually got it just right in that yeah. one. So good job by him hey by the way no better by the way real quickly real quickly uh Shabali was the favorite minus 150 okay. to a plus 180 very very close take, very very
0: close I'll take an early Friday dead wrong on that um Luke I, before we throw to Volkov's back tat which we have um can I also have you comment on the Nikita Krylov Ryan Span fight dude Krylov is that all or nothing at times and this was an all moment to get the sub and he he allowed to advance here up the rankings and still even with the losses and the injuries and all that dude he's still a tough out what I, my heart broke for something here for Ryan Spann. Not that he, because he lost or he fought horribly necessarily. Did you watch that video package before the fight at all, Luke? That led up to it. I missed it. He basically admitted that most of his career, he doesn't train consistently. He doesn't train with a lot of effort. That the 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 motivation to train constantly comes and goes with him, and he has a lot of bad days where he's just not there mentally or or you know not there physically and just is just going through the motions and. I know this this fight was supposed to be the one where he kind of started to really put it together and care. And, you know, look, it was a wild fight for as long as it lasted, and he got tapped out, and that's what happens. But, you know, I, I almost wanted to, like, you know, get his contact info and call him up and try to rile him up. Because, look, I think he does have really special talent, and I think if he goes all in and maxes this out, He's not done yet in this division. He's not done making noise. I mean, that's a tough loss at this time after watching that type of video. But, you know, he's being perfectly honest with us, and I respect that. But if that guy goes after it, he's got an interesting skill package, Luke. It's unrefined, right?
1: But Yeah, it's it's unrefined. But, I mean, here's the problem. It's like, dude, he does have ability, and he's got a good coach. Great coach, I would argue. A really great coach. Um, but, dude <laughs> – If you're going to train part time, dude, you're going to get this is not a place to do that. Yeah. At all. At all. At all. Like not just winning and losing like terrible shit can happen to you. Well, he openly
0: admitted in the video package that he has a lot of success early in fights. And then he he's always fighting scared because he knows the the gas tank's going to run out and then he can't do it. And he's like, if I could do that for the full time, I'd be something you would be. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. this is you're right. This sport's too dangerous to do it half-assed, but to see somebody right at this sort of pivotal crossroads in their career, you know, it's either gonna go really bad or really good from him. I I hope he he you know looks in the mirror and, and says, Look, I, I haven't given my best effort yet. Let's see what happens if I do, you know. I wish I well. Really,
1: it's it's cliche and it's silly, but this is why some of those guys you are kind of like good but never great. Not that I'm saying that about spam, but like other guys I can think of who were good but not great, but had like renaissances at 33, 34, even 35 Mm -hmm. at times. But the the thing that enabled them to do that is those guys just made training their life. They didn't, you know, competing was almost not incidental. It certainly was a a major part of it. But like, even when their career's over, they're gonna train just about every day. That's just who they are. They'll dial back a little bit, obviously, because they love it, they're married to it, they understand it. It's just part of breathing for them. If you don't have that, oof. It's you're going to be you're going to be in trouble against guys who do. Uh, it's yeah. if this is not a great place to have that kind of attitude, you know,
0: Uh, not that I'm judging him for it just for his
1: own sake, you know,
0: I also didn't want you to miss what Vin, what Linton. Vassell oh, yes. did, And and I almost dismissed it because, you know, he lost to Moldovsky. I like the streak he was on. I just didn't see this breaking out the way it did. And I got it wrong in our OK bet. But dude, five wins in a row. Um, yeah, now knocking on Ryan Bader's door. Tell me about this win over. Let me, over let me, so
1: on Friday, we're going to play the clip here and I'll, I'll set it up and let Mikey take it away. But just to set this up, I told you guys that I noticed something on tape with Linton Vassell. He, he can have good wrestling. He has good top control, but sometimes he can get taken down, but he's using this trick called the sumi geishi or sumi geishi. I just say it really quickly, which is basically you take an inside hook and you kind of throw him past you out to the side, not overhead. You don't, it's not, it's not a, it's not a hook sweep. You don't, you're not You know, going with them. It's, you, you can go on top and you can roll with them, but the way a lot of guys are using it, Volkanovsky against Islam Makachev, is just to contest the takedown. And he used it. I showed you guys this on Friday on tape. Sure enough, he did it again this past Friday. Let's roll the tape. Clips for uh, Litton Vassell. There's something I want to show you. I don't know if we're going to be able to slow it down. He does something called way, I got the leg taken wrong, down here. Pay listen. attention to the left leg right there. It's, it's right hard left to left. see. It's very hard to see he uses his left leg right there and it's called a sumageshi. This is exactly the same thing that Volkanovsky did to Islam uh, Makachev to win in a scramble. He uses his left leg on an inside hook here right there just to shuck him off to the side and then comes up on top. That's hard to do. That's all timing. It's just enough to create separation so he can rotate and come on top. He's crafty like that. This is Saturday. This is Friday. Look at him one more time. Right there's the Tsumageshi hook. He's going to rotate him off to the side and stand just like that. He does it over and over again, off to the side like that. You see that? Whoop, moves him, and it allows him. He doesn't just shuck him off and then sit there. He shucks him off and then turns his own hips and gets up right away, and it's a great way to either get the sweep or, in this particular case, contest takedowns. Dude, that's a great thing for a big man to have in a heavyweight division like that.
0: And dude, you know, like he talked about it after the win with Big John, when he gets full mount on you, you know, or or, or when off, he gets yeah. you in a compromised top position, dude, he's a problem. He's a beast. Five wins in a row. And as I mentioned, when we previewed this, that includes like stoppages of Sergei Karatinov, Hani Marks, Timothy Johnson, now Valentin Moldovsky. There was a split decision against a tough Tyrell fortune in between that. Luke, he fought Ryan Bader for the light heavyweight title some six years ago and lost via second-round TKO. He's a different fighter now. Bader is, to some degree, a little bit different fighter now. What are your hopes? What are your what are your beliefs here that that he's a viable heavyweight title threat here at Bellator?
1: I still think he's got some problems because he's not as much of a natural wrestler as Bader, and this is the big difference. V- Vassal is big and strong. I mean, you can see he's well-muscled. I think Bader's quicker. Even at this advanced stage of his career, even at heavyweight, he's got a speed edge, I think, on Linton Vassell, and I think that will make a difference in the end. But, dude, you turn in performances like this, he polished them off. I think it was a right hook, left straight that dropped him. And, dude, once he gets on top, Vassell's control and ground and pound is terrifying. But I would yeah. still favor Bader to win. But, dude, he's doing great. He's doing really great things. Absolutely. All right, can we see
0: that Volkov back tattoo? Yeah, let's see that shit.
1: um it's, it's aggressive luke it's it used to bad. be something
0: else under the helmet it was a different design and he just it was like a it was like
1: a manta ray yeah yeah um it's pretty good that's a lot it's pretty good it's pretty good hey not luke the I that's pretty good i'm
0: you know i always like to be honest with the audience i mismanaged my fluid intake i was very aggressive this morning If you give me 45 seconds to make a deposit and you could tell people how excited you are about Jonathan Martinez having the breakthrough win of his career, you know, that, that would be good. I'll be right back. Thank you. Go
1: ahead. I'm going to switch over to Tim zoo though. So I'll just tee you up when you come back. All right, let's talk about this right now. We talk about topic number five. We finish with some boxing Tim zoo over the weekend, stopping Tony Harrison in the ninth round in Australia, by the way, they're saying now I don't know this, we haven't confirmed this, but what we are told is, uh, that this fight might break the all-time boxing record for pay-per-views in Australia, for whatever that is worth. But Tim Zhu ends up stopping Tony Harrison in the ninth, dropped him, or at a bare minimum, hurt him really bad in the third. W- Want to get BC back so we could talk about some of these results. The question I'm going to ask him is, based on this performance, did his chances of victory against Jermell Charlo improve? Because obviously that one is now headed next. I'll say this, dude. Tim Zhu looked good (laughs) he looked real good he looks like he's got some pop he has very good ring craft and control and cutting off the ring in terms of just cornering guys um it looks to me like i wouldn't call him like a super 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 crazy hard puncher in the weight class but it looks to me like he's got some pop there were times where he was tagging tony and you could see tony's eyes get real wide and Tr- you know, it would the, the, the pain would and the punishment was shocking him uh, almost quite literally. And then uh, you know, mentally, it was causing problems as well. But the other part, too, that I think we had, can't look past is I thought Tony Harrison looked a little old. I didn't think that was the best Tony Harrison we'd ever seen. Not much lateral movement, which he didn't need at first because his jab was pumping. But ugh, it wasn't a great showing from him. So I don't want to take anything from Tim Zoo He looked better here than he did in the Terrell Gaucher fight. And that's really all you really want. Like, did he look better fight over fight? The answer is yes. Much better, in fact, I would say. BC, where are you? How much of it was Tim Zoo looking great? How much of it was Tony Harrison look a little long in the tooth?
0: Uh, you know maybe 75 25 on that split in favor of zoo and you know i came in late luke putting this air piece back in after this bad mismanagement of fluids but it sounded like you were a little down to some degree on tim zoo and i would have to say no 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 no, the... quite
1: the opposite i'm high on him i'm high on him.
0: all right look the adjustment he made from the terrell gaucher fight where he got into terminator mode when he got dropped in the first round and you know shout out reggie jackson for the appearance but let's get serious luke um I thought the adjustments he made were perfect, meaning you didn't see an overcommitment from Tim zoo. It wasn't that wild caveman of walking into shots and just saying, look, I'm going to just penetrate this wall to the point where I'm going to eventually break you or outwork you like you did to Gaucher. This was intelligent middle distance fighting. And what that means and does is zoo is was allowed to sit down on his punches and particularly not spam with shots. Although that you worked the jab pretty well, but be a constant countering threat with heavy shots but do it at such a close distance because he wasn't constantly spamming with the jab or whatever he didn't allow any exits for tony harrison so this was pinning a veteran fighter in harrison either to the corner or to the ropes but not overly committing with his shots and that was allowing him to keep harrison in a disadvantageous position where he really couldn't get much leverage on his shots yes tony harrison had that quick jab and there were certain you know old school tricks he does to kind of hang in that fight but Zoo dominated him at that distance. And when he can start breaking you down and, you know, Luke, his commitment when he is a body puncher, he can be very, a a, a lot of trouble to deal with. So I loved a lot of what he did. It was smart. And it was also, look, if you can't get me off of this spot this close to you, I'm going to load up with big time power shots, counter shots, and, I, you know, I'm going to hurt you. And, you know, we knew the, the Death Star could explode if if Tim Zhu could find that right button. You know, it's happened three times before to Tony Harrison, all in fights. He was winning, by the way. And the only part ultimately about this performance that puzzles me to a certain degree, Luke, is the scoring of the Australian judges having it 77-75 zoo at the time of the stoppage. When Steve Farhood on the broadcast, and by the way, great to see Steve back on camera for the first time in two years. Um, I think I had the same score you did and he did, which was basically, you know, seven, eight rounds to one, whatever it was in favor of Zoo. It was sort of systematic domination. And, you know, he was vulnerable at times against Gaucher because it was too reckless, too gung-ho, too, I'm going to show you guys. This was the fight where he really showed us. Um He's going to be a. He's going to be in this Charlo fight. Will you favor him betting wise? No. It'll be interesting to see how the experts have it split. And you know, J- Jamar Charlo is still a very tough style for this version of Zoo. But if this version of Zoo can be as poised and patient and calculating as he was against Harrison here, um, this is going to be a good fight if they do that this summer for all four world titles.
1: Yeah, the Charlo fight is the interesting dynamic here for me, BC, because. Charlo, um, can be a guy who takes rounds off and whatnot, but I think he's going to be busier than zoo. I think he punches as hard, if not harder than zoo. And I think he, he, he would not necessarily, you know, he's faced a Castaño type who was kind of in his face trying to pressure him, you know? So, um, I don't know. I don't know about this one. I, I tend to think Charlo, uh, I tend to think Charles is just a bad matchup for him. Right. Is that a fair way to say it? Or is that. Yeah. Because strong, Charlo
0: but? is so explosive as a counter puncher that. You know, you he, he'll change the entire tenor of the fight with one big shot. Tony was not able to do it. Look quickly on Tony. Okay. Cause we said, yeah, there you go. Thanks Mike. Cause we said, you know, at times Luke, uh, was this a little bit of him getting old to some degree? It probably was over the accumulation, but he never committed to power shots with that right hand. Luke. You know, the jab was there. It was quick. Right. He had educated jabs. You know, he'd split the guard with it. There's a lot you could like there. Why wasn't Harrison willing to go for broke? Do you think it was the the danger of Zoo standing so close to him?
1: Yeah. That and, you know, I, he, he had some time off in this last fight between this yeah. and this last one. And he just, you know, again, it's like, I'm not saying he's shot. I don't think he's fully shot. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. But a hesitancy to throw back is in boxing is usually a bit of a bad sign about where they're at and where they're headed. So I agree. The jab was de- The jab was good. Actually, the jab from Tony was good and there were opportunities to throw the right, but he just didn't feel confident in it. And I think part of that is he just didn't feel confident overall. Once he got yeah. really in there looking across from zoo, you know,
0: Charlo's going to feel confident with that, even with the long layoff. Yeah. So That'll be something. Um, I don't know if Mikey's got a video playback here on the on the stoppage, but Luke, that was five consecutive right uppercuts from Zoo as Harrison was pinned against the ropes. He landed four of them flush and then hit a violent right cross as Harrison was almost turning his body completely away from the punch. He was in the most vulnerable state you could be. In fact, when you even turn your face you know that much to the side the referee can legally stop the fight it basically means you're moving away from the the uh you know the violence coming at you the ref not only did not stop the fight he gave Harrison a chance to get to his feet would you call this stoppage uh potentially dangerous or what did you see that
1: yeah it went on a little too long for my liking they could have been in, they could have let that one excuse me they could have interfered in that one much quicker it seemed like they were just waiting sometimes these referees are like well he's still fighting back and it's like Feels to me like you're just waiting for him to get a very clean. I'm up here, he's face first, and then it makes the job easy. It's like, and I get that they don't. Sometimes you see a referee be like, I, you know, we don't want to be the ones to decide if we don't have to. But by letting it go, you are being the one who's like, you are deciding that it's going to look more like a massacre than it needs to. You you have the job to be the humane representative in this equation and they just let it, they just let it rock. So not, not a great stoppage. I mean, yes, zoo fair winner, but not a great stoppage at all. No. Right.
0: No. All right. So if we, Hey, look, I think that there was some talk to the idea of Charlo being healthy July ish. Um, I know he was on, he was, you know, announcer on the telecast uh, Saturday when they called that from the studios in New York, but uh, where do you think the odds will be? Where do you think they should be? How tough of a challenge coming off the Castaño two fights, where where Charlo made incredible adjustments in the second one, and to be fair, he may have lost that first one, right? Like legit, um, but we saw him make the same adjustments against Tony Harrison in the rematch. So, dude, Charlo's he's great. I mean, he's, he's, a, good, great, yeah. he's, he's really a great, he's a great, smart, powerful boxer. But
1: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, like a minus. 300 for Oh, no, that's
0: that's wide come on that's a little 250 250 right? i like it in the twos i think all right you uh, like I, it in the two yeah, yeah okay
1: 250 250 i see what you did there yeah I, really, yeah I
0: didn't really i mean, mean like, you're just you're you a douchebag you don't, don't there's think there's you're plausible not plausible deniability probably, Luke. Don't, don't probably. Think you're not don't think you're not
1: um okay <laughs> so anyway that's our top five for the day it's time now for when the we put up social posts on Sunday. You guys fill them up. The producers pick questions, and then we answer them. It's time for DMs from the diggity.
0: Donks. Go oh. 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 to it. Did you like Tim Zoo's, uh, what's my motherfucking name? Like that, what the hell was he doing with that shit? The crowd liked it, but it was a little weird,
1: right? I, I, all these things you talk about, because I, I didn't watch the fights live, I skipped all of it. I just watched oh, the yeah, I, yeah.
0: You watch with the volume down. I know how you do it. Yeah.
1: Uh, often, often I have to, well, because, right. there's,
0: at- because there's aggressive music being played in your house. Tukey's living her best life at all times. And I'm, I'm here for that. I'm definitely, yeah, I gotta
1: tell you the princess and the frog soundtrack, very underrated, <laughs> very underrated. We've been listening to a lot of princess and the frog soundtrack around here. Is all that right. the new
0: obsession post Bruno?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for okay. sure. That's her favorite movie right now. It's not a new movie. It's been out for, I don't know, five or so years, but, uh, yeah, yeah. she loves it. Yeah. All right. From at z.frm.esp, is Jan kneeing Sterling in the head one of the most career-altering decisions in a fight? Boy, it's up there, BC, because if you think about it and you go back to the first fight, if he doesn't do that, it looked to me very clearly to be on his way to winning. He would have had it, would never have had the rematch, may have cruised on, but here's the problem, BC. I don't think people figured him out by accident. Jan is very talented but he has a lot of observable habits. And if you have a lot of observable habits, people can game plan around it. This is not a bad way to block a punch, but everything has its trade-offs. It has benefits and has minuses. The benefit is it's a great way to block and you don't have to move out of position. The problem is if you do this now, of course, your hands aren't there, for example, to defend a takedown, or a body shot, or whatever, and they have built game plans around this. That's the
0: problem. yeah, Marab. did you see that that clean double leg he got when, when Jan was hiding up on the under the guard too much? You know, yeah, he de- it, it was sweet. Uh, on this topic, would you compare this to the spinny shit Chris Weidman tried to pull against uh Rockhold, even though yeah, look, this and is, his career yeah, just we're... went
1: like that afterwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the yeah, way, that was a we didn't mention it, Chris Weidman back in action this past weekend in a uh, submission grappling match sure. against this dude. I think his name is Owen Livery. Uh, hes I might be pronouncing his last name wrong, uh, who is like a very well-trained judoka, and I think a jiu-jitsu black belt too, but like a high-level judoka. Dude, they had a killer grappling match. And by the way, another sumi that was used to get Chris Weidman off of him uh, when he got a double leg takedown. But like a great, great match. It was great to see Chris
0: Weidman back he didn't win Agreed. BC,
1: but he looked good. He looked pretty good.
0: Yeah. I I mean, this is this is all heart, what he's doing right here. You know, trying to come back on his own terms. Just, and uh, I give him a lot of credit, Luke. It, it, uh, weird enough that I brought Weidman into this conversation of potential turning point moments. You have to say Anderson Silva in the first Weidman fight too, Luke. That was a pretty bad decision to try to lure in all those punches. And was he ever the same since then? No. No.
1: No. Oh. No, wow. that, that was a big ass turning point for sure. All right, BC from DVR DV Rauchi. With Marab clearly qualified for a title shot, would that be the biggest, most competitive teammates fight ever? Okay, BC, let's think about it. Biggest teammate fight ever. Are there big like guys from the same cron or not Cronk gym, but like any major gym going at it in boxing that you can think of?
0: I mean, stuff like that's happened, but
1: I mean, the biggest one is Rashad. Not on and John like a monster Jones, right? level.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not on. I mean, I remember even recently in boxing, Danny Jacobs fought Machi Sulecki, and they both had the same trainer. So Sulecki left that camp for one fight and got another trainer, but then came back after. But you know, that's not on this level. John Jones Rashad is. Isn't that the working comparison, basically? I mean,
1: obviously, just to reset the timeline, Rashad had left Jacksons by the time they fought. But in terms that's of right. like teammates, yeah. in terms of teammates for a while, and then having this major fallout. Uh, yes, in terms of, like, guys who stayed at the team, my understanding is this happens frequently in kickboxing, where guys who all train at, like, a uh, you know, Mike's Gym or whatever in Amsterdam, they'll end up competing against one another. It's really not that big a deal. Part of it is cultural. The Dutch don't seem to mind it nearly as much. Make of that what you will. Um, but Kamaru uh,
0: Gilbert? Did you say Camaro Gilbert?
1: That's another one. Camaro Gilbert's another one. Uh, but Marab and... Um, Marab and Aljo would be a big one if that if it happens again. I, I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's crazy either. People are like, oh, it'll never happen. You sure.
0: Yeah, those sure those people that? need to check themselves before they wreck themselves. Lou.
1: All right, BC at triple A ten seventeen. Name anyone in MMA that has a better motor than Marab? BC, they don't exist. Not only does Marab have the best gas tank currently in MMA, I'm trying to think long term, he might have the best one I've ever seen. And I'm not, would doing you big... say
0: it's better than sea level Kane?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is better than sea level Kane. Yeah.
0: I mean, that was pretty um, remarkable in that size of a body. Cause it wasn't like yes. Kane was all cut up Luke, you know, he, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. How many Who has times the highest
1: has this... volume, uh, like per round in boxing, like the figaroas and shit like that.
0: They'd be up there. Yeah. They'd certainly be up there. Um, you know, the times that those Compu Box records get challenged or broken, a lot of times is when you have an aggressive boxer who doesn't have power. Remember, like the baby bull Juan Diaz, or there was this guy on ESPN Friday Night Fights, uh, Sucre Ray Oliveira, back in the 90s and, and 2000s, who these are guys that just come at you and just non stop, just hitting both buttons, A and B buttons, over and over again but they don't, you know, don't have big gaudy knockout totals. No, no one's on Morabs. I mean, you know, the Diaz brothers do triathlons. Luke, I don't know if you've heard that before, but... Um, yeah, they've mentioned
1: that at a time or two billion. But, you
0: know, to, seriously, like, remember when when DC, like, dominated Stipe in the first round of the rematch with the wrestling? And, you know, I was like, why can't he just do that for the whole five rounds? And people were like, you can't do that for the whole five rounds. Or even, Kurt, remember Curtis Blades kicked the shit out of Volkov for three rounds with wrestling and then, like, barely made the finish line down the stretch? You can't do that, Luke. You just can't. And it's not all wrestling, right? But it's constant movement. You would agree that they, these, um, these herky jerky feints that are now full time part of Marab's game, dude, that's, that's not easy. That's not easy to pick up on.
1: No, he's really beginning to blend it into something of a more coherent whole rather than just kind of going. So he can just go, but now he's putting some science behind it. And oof, yeah, the results are devastating. All right, BC from at Jimmy underscore read. He says, living in Australia, Timmy Zhu has been presented as a superstar and our shining light in Australian boxing. Did that presentation translate to an American audience on the coverage over the weekend? What do you think, BC? Yeah,
0: I'd say so. I'd say, look, is the translate question about did he come out in front of his home crowd, like looking like a stud, a star? Yeah, looking like the crowd. The crowd, you know, has huge adulation for. him. Yeah, I mean, when he do, you know, whether you thought that was cool or not, like him coming out being like, "Say my name," you know, what's my motherfucking name? Like, he's he's out there screaming for respect, not just in the division for you know for Charlo, but I think to get out of the shadow of his father, to some degree too. And you know, and Koscheck was supposed to be at this fight, but they mentioned on the broadcast they had an ailing relative in Russia that kept him back. But you know, they're close, but not like minute by minute close. And I think that's all part of it is he's trying to prove to, to the world, but to his fans in Australia too. I'm just a, you know, I'm my own person and you can really say Luke that there's some real poi, like, you know, in, in terms of intangibles, you know, it's like, I, I always been jealous. Luke, I've said this before of kids that grew up like their dad owned a store or something, you know, they just grow up, like business is natural, you know, or the dad was a landlord or something It's just like natural. I'll just slide into that area. Just, yeah, I've seen it done. Um, you know, the, look at what, what this guy's seen done in his father. And, and you mix that with hard work and extreme belief in yourself. And and you get the potential for the, for that Terminator to come out in the big moments. Um, he looks like an absolute stud. And, and, you know, maybe that U.S. debut, which was impressive, but not not convincing enough in terms of, like, exactly who he is. Again, we've, we've teased it around. He needed this in-between fight before taking on the full challenge of Charlo for himself for the critics to understand who he really is. And he's all those things. He's a star and he is legitimately in contention here to potentially be the new undisputed champion.
1: BC, uh, uh, my best friend in high school, his dad was an immigrant from Iran. Um, yeah. they had, they had to flee Iran in 1979 during the Islamic revolution. They were not Muslims. They were something called Baha'i. And, uh, so they were, they were basically told leave or we're going to kill you. So they all left. And, uh, so they moved to the United States and they opened up a video, business to compete with blockbuster in marietta georgia they had several locations it was called video wonderland well you can imagine what happened to video wonderland it went tits up pretty quickly and uh so it was cool for a while my friend's dad had a video store but then i had to help them box videos so they could sell all the inventory
0: that's to get
1: rid of it it sucked that was not much fun.
0: it was interesting you used the term tits up did they have one of those back rooms with the curtain
1: I don't Where, think that they. I don't know if they did. Not in the like store. You I have back there.
0: Again. Like you know, a lot of those stores, the guy at the register is not really paying attention. Like you could walk back there, and we've all done it. But there's a lot of shame associated with that because what if no, you come
1: I, I've, out? i told you this. I've rented. I dude, I go into there. I've done it. I've rented. Like in in college, I rented pornography from a local video store <laughs> and never returned it never returned it well that's probably like, the power like uh, yeah. they, were, they were like this is back in the days of answering machines so like my 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 roommates would play in college they'd be like this is uh whatever the store was called like you know video fuck face land whatever it was and they'd be like uh this question is for luke thomas you have an overdue title it's uh it's an adult feature if you could give us a call back or return that at your earliest convenience that'd be great thanks I'd be like, i'm not that's returning nice. Burying the bone Four hours of blocking and banging I'm not doing that Okay
0: (laughs) No but like you know You'd have to take a real risk On potential shame Because you know It's in your town When you come out from that curtain Anybody's parents Could be standing right there Luke Your teacher Anyone But you know Did I Did I shamelessly roll that dice the answer Luke again and again. Yeah, yeah, I did, you know.
1: I, did, I certainly you know? did as well. Yeah, uh BC do it again right now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Last but not least, last but not least, at Harrison Smith27, is Leon talking about Leon Edwards. Is Leon's road to victory easier or harder for this fight than the one before? It's actually what does an that interesting mean? question. So what does the road I, to
0: victory part mean?
1: So here's what I think he means like okay. On the one hand, you got the win over Kamaru. So there's two ways to look at that. One, you realize, wait a second, I can do this. I can find openings. I can look on tape. I can set things up. I've literally stopped him with strikes. Why couldn't I do it again? Boost your confidence. Give you a potential roadmap of technique to follow. That's one interpretation. The other other interpretation is, okay, you stopped him. Does this overly motivate Kamaru? Who, by the way, hasn't done a ton of media leading up to this. I want to point that out. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, he'll be
0: talking to me tomorrow just to head Very good. Around. Very
1: good. But I'm pointing out, uh, and also does he now, based on what he's seen on tape, change a bunch of things that close a bunch of doors that may have been available to you based on what happened the last time. So does it really lift Leon in both in terms of motivation and actual things he can look at? Or does it actually lift Kumaru by him closing the doors on deficiencies that he previously had open?
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, I, uh, I, I, what, can,
1: I can hear Reggie Jackson purring.
0: Yeah, he's very aggressive in all the things he does in life, including trying to take down all of my posters aggressively to get me mad at him. So then I'll pet him, Luke. You know, he's got a system and a plan. I'll say this ultimately about that question. Uh, wait, wait, what was the question again? No, I got it. Um, I'll say that there's more pressure on him now and in front of the home crowd. But in his mind, he's got to be pretty confident because, you know, there was some luck involved, but it, it was a calculated move that won him that. And we do have to ask those two things that I'm sure we mentioned on the pregame preview the combination of what does a knockout loss that devastating do to Kamaru physically and mentally, and the idea of he's 36 with a very intensive style. When does he get old? Does that knockout help him get? Because I'm not looking for him to break down. But if you get, if you slip a little bit at this level, right? You know, could Leon come through? And yeah, I mean, Leon, I wouldn't be, I've largely been under the idea that all that's great. But if Usman's really that champion, that transcendent guy, he's going to come back and fix this, you know, in a GSP, Sarah, Nunes, Pena type deal. But people like to counter that by reminding me that Leon Edwards took Usman down in round one and won the round, Luke. So, you know, there are parts of him that feels style-wise in the way this makes up. But, Luke, the missing ingredient, the most DMs that I get on this topic, usually in relation to this pregame preview we just put out, is why are you guys not mentioning the elevation in Salt Lake City and how that affected both fighters in that fight, and how that won't be there this time, and could that make Leon's road easier than harder this time
1: around? Mm, I mean, it benefits both guys, and you're talking about a guy in Kamaru who, when he wants to, can have an insane work rate. Remember, who were the other two fighters I mentioned beyond Marab, who had at least 10 takedowns in the one fight that they also have 100 significant strikes landed. It was Kane. It was Kamoru and now it's Mirab. So you're talking about a guy who can fucking work when he wants to. Um, I don't, I definitely see that as a benefit for both guys, honestly. I don't, I don't, to me, it's like maybe Usman gets a little bit more of a benefit because he works more, but I don't see that as like the deciding factor one way or the other. Right.
0: No, yeah, I'd stand with you on that.
1: Yeah. Certainly not. Certainly you, we're not ignoring it, or at least we're not we're not trying to ignore it. Uh, but I don't know how decisive that will be. That's a little harder to say. Yeah. Also, these guys are championship level fighters. Like, it's not like Leon has bad cardio. Leon's got Leon's got real good cardio, or at least good enough, certainly. Uh, maybe not as good as Kamaro, but he's got very good cardio. He's not he's not an unprepared fighter under any circumstance. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. Now, BC, we right. have a choice to make. Uh, oh, actually, I don't, we don't have a choice to make. Uh, do you want to tell the folks what's up with Have You Seen This Shit?
0: Yeah, we're having uh, playback issues here, so uh, we're going to be unable to unveil the HYSTS today. We'll have to run that on Wednesday's show. But we will close, Luke, with some actual big news from over the weekend and a video to play with it. Uh, we were When we last left you on talks of an idea of an undisputed heavyweight championship bout between Tyson Fury and three-belt champion Alexander Usyk, Fury had sent that video that we played that said, you know, you pay you let me get that 70/30 financial cut or you're shit out of luck, brother. We got a response from Usyk. Let's throw to that video that hey, was so
1: greedy belly. I accept your offer. 70/30 split to fight with you on April 29th at Wembley. But you will promise to donate to Ukrainian immediately after the fight. 1 million pounds on every day of your daily you will pay one percent from your poorest to Ukrainian people deal
0: <laughs> Luke you know he's trolling us with that like fake Borat thing but when he opens with greedy belly like that's just brilliant I
1: find this whole thing exhausting and then Tyson has some new stipulation I haven't seen he Tyson's
0: just, new one but you know Mike just Copenger... put it like, like
1: minutes ago he just put it. okay out.
0: It it appeared from Mike Coppinger of ESPN's reporting that April 29th is real, that Usyk is really accepting the 30% split financially, and we are really adding this absolute historical masterpiece of a fight to an already loaded March and April here in Combat Sports. Uh, hell yeah. Can I say that out loud? Hell yeah. yeah. You feeling it or no? You got it? you got it?
1: Yeah, no, big time. If they can make it happen. They keep doing this BS yeah. in the media, I don't care. But uh, if they make it happen, yeah. But hell the, yeah,
0: but if the biggest struggle is the 30%, the man said, "You know, hey, donate a million pounds to to Ukraine and let's do it. Tyson just, might just, have just that kind you. Of money. Just
1: you don't you donate a million. Stop doing this. It, 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 this is just fucking nonsense. Make the fight okay. or don't make the fucking fight. Like, oh, you have to donate a million I dollars to it. It's just yeah. it's just fucking ridiculous. Like, it's just these. Who
0: is this for? Who is this? All for? All right, we're gonna be we're gonna be loading the Tyson Fury response in the uh, in the in the hopper soon to play. But Luke, you know, how uh, old
1: is Reggie Jackson?"
0: He's like three now, I think. Oh, he's young. Yeah, yeah, he's starting to finally slow. Maybe four. Yeah, he's starting to figure life out a little bit more and not just break everything. And so, like you know, my wife thinks that all the animals walk all over me, Luke. Like I don't put up boundaries, but you know, I, you know, they're you, my only. There's true nothing. Friends,
1: no there's nothing in the world that you love more than stray animals i mean yeah
0: yeah that's fair that's fair all of these were this was a homeless cat luke that i that we legitimately uh rescued in a where, did get, where did you get where did you
1: get reggie from
0: just a shelter i told you shelter oh, in Shelton, right, connecticut right. where he was he's around dogs so he's not afraid of anything except for going outside luke he's you know violently afraid of that but outside of that you know in this in his castle He's the king, and we're all just trying to, you know, catch up to him. You know,
1: one regards. regret I have with Moco, I didn't have a great answer for it because if you take your cat to the vet, the vet will tell you this: do what you want, but the studies are clear. If you let your cat out, they are in general going to have a much shorter life. Yes, right. Yes. Between between other animals getting them, depending on where you live, cars, you name it, they just they live shorter lives in general, but they tend to live happier lives, I think. Uh so I had cats that I let out, but all of them got fucked up over time. So I was like, all right, well, Moco's gonna stay inside. But yo, Moco hated staying inside, man. I yeah. almost felt really bad about it. I didn't know what to do, you know.
0: I hear you. Uh Luke, where do you rank Usyk Fury in your I'm most excited about this single combat sports fight over the next few months?
1: Top six or seven
0: wow six or seven really yeah okay i, I was one i gotta you would... tell you
1: I, this one doesn't do much for me i mean let me be clear about this i i want to see it i hope it gets made it's important to be made i don't in any way challenge any of the things you've said about it that make it relevant or important or interesting it just doesn't call my attention that strong uh partly because i believe fury's gonna win i don't think it's that competitive i mean i think it's competitive but like ultimately i just i would be very surprised if Fury lost. Um, I have to tell you, you know what I'm much more interested in, which apparently Jake Donovan has given some life to, is that apparently there are some real talks, real talks, between Francis Ngannou and Deontay and, Wilder.
0: And and I heard AJ, too. Those, right. those reports out there that he's talking to both.
1: So, like, that, but let's stick with Wilder. They were supposed to make Wilder Ruiz, but, they, but both guys balked at it because... The, they're both with PBC, but the money that they had offered to do the fight, I guess it wasn't enough for them, or they didn't. They, they just didn't work, so they went in a different direction. Now is expensive. Well, you could pay Deontay a lot if you're also paying Francis a lot for one of these crossover fights. And dude, here's the best part: Francis, we know, has just nuclear power. How much with the gloves and in a boxing contest, I don't know. But BC, it's not like Deontay's a great boxer. No, of course that's the yes. thing, dude. Like he gets hit. And fucking gonna hit.
0: This fight would be more about Francis's, um like, head movement and defense. Like, how long yeah. can he hang in here? Because I mean, But but also, don't forget, Francis got a chin on him. I mean, he took a sustained beating in the first Stipe fight and had his gas tank just, you know, poured upside down twice over and still, you know, still grinded in that well, fight. he'll
1: need it against a guy like Wilder if they make it because he's got nuclear power, too. Anyway, yeah. we've got the Fury response. You want yeah, play.
0: let's hear from Tyson Fury here. Thank you, Mikey, on the... uh. Hi, Tyson Fury here. Just a quick one. I've been speaking to the lawyers today and USEX people are talking about rematch clauses and all that bollocks. Here's one to up the antis. How about there is no fucking rematch clause for both of us? Let's up the antis completely. Never worry about what's in the future and how many more dollars you can get after you've been defeated. Worry about the fight. April 29th, no rematch clause, the winner takes the glory. The loser goes home with his dick in his hand. How about that? Agree to that, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's an all-time great soundbite right there. Holy crap! This is Take silly. that, you yeah, silly. Look, the loser will go home most likely with their dick in their hands. But I'll tell you this: Does that make you? Um, I get it. What you said off the tar- off the start, just like make the fight and shut up. But we're still getting this fight, right?
1: uh probably i don't, Good. Know. I, don't tw- to a- really 29th, I don't want april 29th i don't know i don't know if we're getting april 29
0: all right real quickly may 20th luke sources uh mike coppinger of espn reporting devin haney all four lightweight titles against Loma? vasily lomachenko oh, 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 give me that oh, oh. give me that brother
1: yeah that's a sick one that's a sick and one that's gonna be great
0: the other bit of news was of course the main event on saturday for azufa and company was the first slap pay-per-view luke which aired Free to live live to free, whatever on Rumble. It's not much of a pay per
1: view if it's it's airing for free, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dana says uh, Rumble is on board for seasons two and three now of Slap. And for season two, they're going to take it to Fight Island, Yaz Island, there in in, uh, Dubai. And it's going to be the season one All Stars against the best in the world from the power countries, right? Poland and all in Russia and all the other ones where this sport originated in um sport is that what it is yeah these are fights and this is a sport um my question to you luke is is the rumble deal for seasons two and three a clear indication that this is going nowhere or yeah i mean
1: here's the thing you know who's not up for season two and three tbs the people who aired season one so that tells you a lot number one number two it's like dude they're just taking every idea they've are there's like not one new idea in this whole thing Have you noticed that? Like everything is, let's just take the existing blueprint and I mean, just work with that. Nothing else whatsoever, nothing original whatsoever. And uh, yeah, dude, if that's your, if that that is interesting to you, then um, yeah, we're not the show for you. So there you go.
0: There it is, Luke. I hope, hopefully both of us can make it in the four minute media hit job video about how uh, we were double standards because we support MMA, but we don't support the slap
1: yeah I'm looking right forward out. to that
0: okay uh we'll right, have, we have you seen here, this yeah? shit on wednesday uh reggie's trying to get out luke uh maybe we should get out too all right maybe we should all
1: right so sorry about the fact that we don't have have you seen this shit today we will do it wednesday uh bc oh wait wait are you still there
0: yeah yeah i had to let reggie out all right
1: yeah one quick second so i have jury duty tomorrow
0: <laughs> i on have wednesday literal...
1: no no tomorrow tuesday so i have jury on, I duty. i can't tomorrow. hear you i got
0: audio problems Look, this is great i'm getting new equipment in the mail tomorrow and hopefully that'll G- fix it can you speak speak can nonsense so i can yes, try to good. find yes.
1: a spark yeah One, two, i'll three, just four, unplug five. and listen go ahead all right just fucking take him off screen mikey because what the fuck are we doing uh i actually have jury duty tomorrow so i don't know if that's going to last into wednesday i don't think it will but it might so we'll have to see how that goes either way you will get Have You Seen the Shit on Wednesday. So reminder, you can reach the, sh- the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to reach for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong. We, of course, are – don't forget Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. I'm uh, here. Yeah, I'm okay. back. I'm, j- I'm, just, I'm just letting everyone know about the jury duty that I have tomorrow, and that, like, that may interfere with things on Wednesday. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Would I you be willing – to talk about the trial if you get picked like with regular updates on the show, but without naming names or specific. No, if you're
1: you're serving on a jury, you're not supposed to talk about it with like the details of it with uh, people outside of the, your, your fellow jurors or the judge or something. You're, you're forbidden from doing that. Now, once the trial is over, yes, I can tell you whatever. But the thing is in voir dire, I may not get picked because I'll just be like, yo, I got full-blown Ebola slash AIDS. Just I can't be here, so just send me home, and we'll see what they do. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's going to snow 12 to 16 inches here tomorrow, Luke. So I'm finally going to finish the Rocky Creed rundown. We nice. watched Rocky Balboa over the weekend, and you know the kids are—they liked it. They're, we're back, Luke. They, you know, we liked it. You know, the response again, so much better than Rocky one.
1: All right, well, let's call it a day here for this show. Appreciate everyone who tuned in. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Showtime. Thanks to Malka. Thanks to CBS, especially Mikey Morums, who did a great job today. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.